When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Big Sills, National Football Show, welcome aboard. On the road to Glendale. You know, I I have said a lot of stuff since the beginning of the season. And one of the things that I have to say to Howie Roseman here, you know, and maybe this goes back to my old school mentality and get off my lawn kind of old guy. By the way, Tony Bruno, bottom of the hour, legendary Philly sports talker. And in hour number two, former NFL rookie of the year, works with the Kansas City Chiefs broadcast team. Our friend Bill Moss will join us. We'll get a look at what the Chiefs has gone through this year. That'll be in hour number two. Please hit the like button. We appreciate all here. Um, here's something I'm wrong on. You know, I, 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 without a doubt, did not think, and one of the reasons that I thought that the football team would start out two and five, I still predicted them to go to the Super Bowl. But one of the things that I said was the lack of practice time and the lack of playing your starters in the exhibition games. You know, the Eagles and the front office and Howie have put an emphasis more on those controlled scrimmages between opposing teams. You know, like the Patriots will come in or the Browns like this past offseason or preseason came in and they scrimmage and they had those controlled scrimmages. Um, and they've really put more of an emphasis on that. And also player health. The Eagles are going to have all 22 starters going into the Super Bowl in two weeks. You, you, you've got to say that their philosophy of not playing their guys has worked two years in a row. They're a relatively pretty healthy football team. Okay? I mean, it's working. It's working. And as I've, I've always told you, when I see something and I said, I can't see how you can be prepared for a football season when you don't practice anything. They put the players longevity of getting through a regular season over the preparation. And yet they came out and they went on a win streak right away. So if you look at, and by the way, it's not just one year. It's really been two years. Richie, I'm going to get to dual threat here in a minute. And my prediction comes through. I'll show you in my prediction on what I'm going to say about dual threat. Um, Kudos to Howie. 
and Sirianni for buying into it, and the owner, not playing your starters, has panned out for the Eagles. All 22 guys are going to be ready to take on the Chiefs. That's pretty dang good. I'm going to make a prediction. When the Super Bowl is over, Jalen Hurts will be under the knife again for a shoulder surgery. He'll be under the knife. Two years in a row. Miss games and surgery. Dual threat. Never sustainable. He's not going to get healthier. This is the gamble you take with dual threat. This is the gamble. Remember something. Jalen Hurts didn't get hurt throwing the ball. Jalen Hurts got hurt running the ball. And as Tone and I have said, we thought that number was supposed to come down this year. Instead, it was escalating towards 200 carries. Can't last. Won't. Sills, who's your favorite player on the team? I love Dallas Goddard. I love me some Dallas Goddard. Physical. I'm sorry, and I disagree, and I know a thousand people will disagree with this. I like him better than Jason Kelsey. Or excuse me, Travis Kelsey. I'm sorry. I know. And Travis Kelsey, to me, is not a true tight end. Dallas Goddard's an old-school tight end. He's more like Gronkowski. He can block. He can catch. And he's got a nose for the end zone. Travis Kelsey's like Jason Witten. He's a better version of Jason Witten. He doesn't block well. He's not a guy in the, in the trenches that blows people up and could take on ends like Goddard can. No way. That's not my – again – it's cherry pie and apple pie. Some people probably like the Travis Kelsey tight end. I don't. He's not the great. Who would you rather have in a game, Gronkowski or Travis Kelsey? Seriously, who would you rather have, Gronk or Travis Kelsey? Dude, you can't shut Gronk down. He could blow you up in the run game. Okay? He could blow you up in the run game. Jalen Hurts just needs to be a young Russell Wilson. Got to stop running, man, or you're never going to last. Same thing with the dude in Buffalo. Dual threat under the knife again. Peter King had a conversation with Jalen Hurts. You know what Hurts told him? When he threw that pass in the Giants game, that 40-yard pass, he thought his arm was going to fall off. Peter King, this guy's got a rotator cuff injury. And after the celebration, he'll be under the knife. You can't play as bad as he played in the NFC title game, not to think that. He was terrible, as I said yesterday. Again, it's playing through injury, which I admire. I'm not, hey, man, I want him out there at 70% instead of Gardner Minshew at 100. Absolutely true. No question. No question. Okay? No question. You know, I, I, it's, as we move on here, I will say this to you as well. You know, people keep asking me, and I'm going to go on a show in Kansas City, and they asked me to go on. There's a friend of mine that has a show in Kansas City, and I'm going to do a show there um, on the radio, believe it or not. And I'm going to go on, and we're going to do – you know, I think uh, two hours or something like that. 
And he asked me out of the gate, he goes, Sills, do you think Kansas City wins this? I go, you know, I didn't think the Eagles could get into a Super Bowl and beat Kansas City, but show me where you have the advantage. Okay, you have a great defensive tackle in Chris Jones. They've got a better D-line. You don't have a better O-line in them, and it's not really close. San Francisco's lines are better than your lines. I mean, think about that, for instance. San Francisco has a better O-line than Kansas City's O-line. And San Francisco has a better D-line than what Kansas City has. I mean, Boza and Chris Jones, okay. After that, who? I think even the Eagles have advantages at linebacker over Kansas City. Your secondary surely has the advantage. Wide receivers, show me where, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is not an advantage over Devontae Smith. I mean, get this, Juju Smith-Schuster is a number three on the Eagles. He's a number three dude. I, I just, I mean, maybe a fourth option because of Goddard. I don't see it. The O-lines, no way. The running game, no way. Even Gainwell. Where's your advantage? Tight end, okay. National media thinks it's it's Travis Kelsey. I think it's Goddard because he does more in the run game. I'm going to say this to you guys here, man. If Kansas City can't stop the Eagles' run game, that's a blowout. Where do you see them stopping Philadelphia's power game? Where? Well, they stopped the they stopped the Bengals. The Bengals had the shittiest old line in the NFL. They had three dudes in in the game in replace of starters. They stopped the run game. I don't think that's a big deal. I don't, I don't, where do you see Kansas City's front seven stopping? Dude, watch this. On a, Kansas City's front seven versus the Eagles O-line in run game. I don't see it. I don't think the Super Bowl is close. There, I buried it. Dude, I'd run it 40 times at them. Stop it. I, 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 hey, I don't know. You know, Mahomes, the only thing that keeps Kansas City in the game is the coach and the quarterback. Other than that, show me an advantage. Look, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to say this to you guys flat out here. I look at things on a day-to-day basis. I don't look back yesterday. I look forward. I look today. Unless something tragically changes and some guys miss the bus or there's a Barrett Robbins type situation for the Eagles, which I don't think it's a mature team. How do they beat them? It's How is this not a 31-7 game? If you have four 10-plus drives against Kansas City, how does Mahomes have plays to get out there and make to beat the Eagles? I, I, I tried. Actually, watch this. I tried to make this game close. 
I said, this got to be, you know, I watched Kansas City and I watched the 22 of Kansas City versus the Bengals. And I came away. I don't know about you guys. You know, I'm a big college football guy. D goes preach at big sales. I, hey, listen, I'm a big college football guy. And I don't know how much college football you guys watch. Dude, when I watch Big 12 football or Pac-10 football, and then I turn on the Southeastern Conference, it's like JV versus the varsity. When it comes to the domination in the O-lines and D-lines, the SEC is dominant in the D-line and O-line. It's kind of what you see with the Eagles. They're dominant. Kansas City is not dominant. That's not – Orlando Brown blows. You should see him – by the way, if Malata had a – remember a couple of days ago, I went like this, and I said this. I go like this. I go, hey, man, um, you know, Orlando Brown, he, he, you know, he, he's barking, telling everybody how good he is. Remember I said, well, I gave Malata a B for the year. You know, he's been injured. Shit, man, Jordan Malata is 10 times better than Orlando Brown. Hassan Reddick is going to have a field day on that guy. Mahomes better be healthy because he's going he's gonna to get there. He's going to get home. He's going to get home. Honest to God, man, I, I went through it. I must have watched eight hours of film last night. And I just went, where's the advantage where they can attack Philly? Philly's tackles played great in the last two games. Javon Hardgrave is having a special postseason. Dude, he's going to command more than the three-year, $53 million deal that Howie has on the table for him. By the way, at the top of the second hour, Big Sills is going to go down the line and pretend to be your general manager because all the numbers are out. And you tell me, we're all going to play GM. That's going to be an hour number two. I've got the complete list of free agents, and everyone. So we're going to do that at the top. Fly, Eagles, fly, thank you. I'm just saying this, guys. Hey, how about this? Even the haters. I said the Eagles would lose in the Super Bowl. I, 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 dude, unless Hurts doesn't play well, but shit, he doesn't have to. He didn't play well. In the 49er game. And they still put up big numbers on the scoreboard. Jalen Hurts played. And again, guys, it's not because he's healthy. If Jalen was healthy, he'd have put up 280 yards. He'd have ran for 90 yards. He'd have put one of those big games up. I'm not saying he wouldn't have. I am not saying that. He's injured. It's evident. He told Peter King he's injured. This is not me talking. He said when he threw the ball, go to Peter King's website. He goes, that's the furthest I threw the ball, that 40-yard pass to Devontae in the Giant game. That's the furthest pass that I've thrown since Chicago. He's not right. Mahomes. That's one of the reasons, man, down. If you're telling me, well, Jalen's hurt, well, so is Mahomes, then where's the advantage? What does Kansas City have? Dude, one of the magical things that Patrick Mahomes does in the pocket is what? 
he dances around in that pocket and he throws underhand. He's ambidextrous. He does all that other shit. And he's a magician. Well, when you take the wheels away and he's just sitting back there, he ain't Tom Brady. He's not Tom Brady. He needs to be, he's a, he's like Aaron Rodgers a little bit. He moves around a ton in the pocket. I think the, I think Hassan Reddick is going to harass him. Okay. When Jalen wins the Super Bowl, will that help Lamar get paid? Fly Eagles, I'll say this to you. That's a great comment. It's a great comment. But my big question will be, what if Jalen wins the Super Bowl and I'm predicting he's going to have rotator cuff surgery um, after the celebrations are all said and done? And then Lamar, having missed all those games, I still think that you have to look at the health and longevity. I still think he gets paid, but I don't think you're giving longevity contracts like you do for Mahomes. I think they're three-year contracts, max. Maybe five because you want to maybe be able to spread out the money and the signing bonus. Maybe you want to do it that way, but you can't put long-term deals on dual-threat guys. You just can't because you don't want to be tied to that in your cap. You just can't be a slave to that. Um, I mean, if Brady blows his knee out, that affects nothing in the passing game. If Jalen blows his shoulder out, or that affects not only his passing, but his ability to run because he's dual threat. That's always been my concern about Hurts. You know, and I'll say something else here too. Don't forget Tony Bruno, bottom of the hour. Um, remember something. Look at look at Anthony go like this. Stop with the BS on the dual th- Dude, it's true though. All dual threat guys get injured and don't have long careers. No matter if you want to hear it or not. It's the absolute facts. They don't have long-term careers. It's not true. You're making it up like most of the Philly media does. Making shit up. Like I by the way, just for the record, 54 million people watched the Bengals and the and the Chiefs game. 40 45 million, I think it was 45 million. Or 47 million. Watch the 40 watch the 49ers in the Eagle game. Just like I told you, they wanted to promote those quarterbacks. More eyeballs were on the AFC title game. And some would go, well, Silson was becoming a blowout. People don't leave football games anymore because of prop bets and fantasy football. Why do you think they created the red zone channel? Okay, why do you think they created the Red Zone channel? What, because you can go back and watch your favorite play? So you can keep an eye on your team and on your guy that's making you money in fantasy football. That's why the numbers never dip like they used to in the past. Prior to Red Zone channel, if you had a 31-7 blowout going on, fans would leave that thing at 10 seconds. They don't do that anymore. They don't do that. They stick around for the prop bets. Like I told you, more eyeballs were going to be on that game, and they were. But people in Philly will tell you bullshit. Well, you know, both got 50. That's not true. I got another question for you here. I got another question. Let's get to Vetford. Shanahan had two pocket 
quarterbacks and they got crushed. How'd they get crushed? They made it all the way to the NFC championship game. They lost their quarterbacks. And next year, they're going to have no money issues when it comes to the quarterback position. And he blows out his shoulder. So what? You're paying him a, you're paying him 900 grand. You're not killed with that. That's the point, jackass. Arizona is annihilated because they gave that dude 46.1 million. They're annihilated. They won't see Kyler Murray until what? Oh, by the way, that's a great call, D. Hey, if you're Kyle Shanahan, are you really trading Jimmy Garoppolo now? <laughs> Look at Maurice. Maurice goes, the Niners got killed. And they held the Eagles to 239 yards in total offense. They got killed. Okay, that's how you look at it. Sure, the Niners didn't get killed. The Niners killed themselves. Okay, the Niners killed themselves. And the Eagle defense dominated. That was the game. Not going back over that. We've already done that. I have a question before Tony Bruno comes on. Hey, I I do like that. Hey, Mint. That's a great one, man. If you're the 49ers, he's unrestricted, and he gets a chance to go because he came back at a reduced rate. Man, if you're the 49ers, do you make a bid for Jimmy Garoppolo and ask him what he's what he wants to stay, or do you go for Tom Brady? Okay? Hey, Nicole, Hurts sucked in the NFC title game. He sucked. <laughs> Watch this. Purdy at least got hurt. Okay, you think there is, how about this? Let me ask you something about Andy Reid. You think this is kind of a grudge match for Andy Reid? He got fired by the Eagles. Where, do you think this is a grudge match? Five Star just goes, Why can't you give the Eagles any respect? I just said you're going to win the Super Bowl. What more respect do you want? I'm not an ass kisser, bro. Okay? Wrong guy. I don't kiss anyone's ass. Well, my aunt and my wife and my kid. (laughs) Okay? I kiss anyone's ass. You think this is a grudge match? Andy was fired, man. You think he's got any resentment towards Philly? Do you? You think he's got any animosity towards the way how it ended? I wonder if Andy wanted out. I wonder if Andy wanted out. I I, I got to think he wants this. And you're going to see Andy Reid at his best. Right? RJ goes 14 years, Sills. He got tired. Maybe. I, I, I don't think you're... Hey, RJ, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I'm just... Guys, help me out. How did it end? How did it end? How did it end for him? Okay? Joseph says, Andy desperately wants to win against the Birds. Um... 
never brought us a championship. Oof. Yeah, but didn't Andy Reid turn the Eagles around when he was hired? What was the was it that gap between Gang Green and Andy Reid? Wasn't that a low point? Help me out, guys. Wasn't that a low point in Eagle history from Gang Green to when Andy was initially hired? Was it was it the organization not in a good place? I, you know, D, that could be both needed a change. 14 years is a long time to be at a place. But, man, there was a lot of success there. Um, was, did it, didn't he change? It was like Ray Rhodes was in there, right? He was in that. Ray was NFL Coach of the Year a couple times in there. So it couldn't have been that bad. Um, then came those Dream Team signings. Kind of messed the Eagles up. Yeah, they went. Hey, can you imagine this? Th- that's the gamble Howie had. Howie was bringing in another dream team. This one worked. That one failed. If Reed goes out there trying to seek revenge, he'll be digging a grave for himself as well. An over-emotional decision playmaker could be lethal for the Chiefs. That's my boy Tone saying that. Got to be level-headed here. I think you just got to be Andy Reid. Andy Reid's a better coach today in Kansas City, in my opinion, than he was in Philly. And I thought he was a Hall of Fame coach in Philly. I thought Andy Reid, Andy Reid's resume right now is as good as any coach. I I gave you the five coaches, Belichick, Lombardi, um, Shula, Noel, and then Reid. I think he's right there with them dudes. Is he better than Joe Gibbs? I think he's better than Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs did something that no other head coach has ever done. He's won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. That's pretty remarkable. Okay, so that's a distinct. Gibbs is in that conversation too. You know, I'm going to ask Tony Bruno his thoughts on Andy Reid because Andy Reid, man, I thought he was great in Philadelphia. I really did. I thought he was great in Philadelphia. Vermeil, another great one. Vermeil changed the entire culture around. It was a shit show in Philly before he showed up. He brought his hard work and determination in the building and changed the entire culture around. Went to a Super Bowl in 80 and lost to that Raider team, which was stacked with Hall of Famers all over it as well. That old line Philly had in the 80 Super Bowl was as good as any. I don't think as good as this group or the 17 group but this group was great. Okay. Just wondered if if Andy would have any kind of animosity and resentment towards the Eagles and making this kind of like a grudge game. Look, I personally think, and by the way, I would look at it like this. I don't think Eagle fans are going to show any disrespect to Andy. I think they give him total respect for what he did. And this is me talking. From 30,000 feet. You guys tell me if I'm wrong. Because my opinion here is you guys have more of an opinion on this than I do. Because you were there. I kind of watched it from 30,000 feet. But for me and my observation, I think Eagle fans revere this guy as the greatest coach in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. Doug Peterson had the greatest moment as coach. Is that fair? Andy's the greatest coach in Eagle history. But Doug had the greatest moment in Eagle history as a coach. 
Okay. So I don't think there's any animosity towards Andy. Eagle fans and Eagle organization want to pound that team. That's, that's not going to get in the way. This is just conversation and sidebar talk as you lead up to the game. Okay. So I think there's great respect for what it, he did here. He kind of laid the way in the pavement for what the team is today. The culture of the team has not changed. The direction of the team has not changed. Look at, look at what Brian says. He's an Eagle fan. He goes, I still love Andy today, just not on Super Bowl Sunday. That's a great way to look at it. People were rooting for Doug Peterson when Doug won that playoff game against the Chargers. You guys came out here that Monday going, that was awesome. Good for him. Good for Doug. Just not when they're playing the Eagles. I, I, that's a perfect fan. That, to me, is perfect in how you look at Andy Reid with respect. Does Andy have an ass towards the organization? You know, I, I would look at it like this. You know, I would probably be really upset if I got fired like Andy Reid did after 14 years. But then I would have thought, man, my whole son thing is 14 years. Maybe it's just time. Maybe it's time for both of us to just to move on. I mean, a coach does wear his welcome out. After a while, man, that voice in the locker room, you keep hearing the same bullshit over and over. Unless you're changing the team over and over every three years, and you got young guys, and Andy likes his guys. That message kind of gets lost in the translation sometimes, especially when you start losing ball games. Okay? I mean, Rock says, hey, man, the owner wanted a Super Bowl. Well, you're telling me that Andy Reid would. So wait a minute. Let me ask you this one. Are you guys still saying this? Andy would never have delivered a Super Bowl in Philadelphia? You guys think Andy would have ever delivered a Super Bowl in in Philly? Or was Andy too much like Doug? Or maybe even more hard-headed than Doug? Doug got blown out because he's stubborn. Okay? Did Andy get blown out because he was stubborn? And didn't want to take direction from Banner and then Howie? Is that how it happened? I mean, right? GT goes, he got lucky with Patrick. Well, you could say that. Andy Reid got lucky with Patrick. Every year he's been in Kansas City, Andy Reid has had 10-plus wins except for one year. I mean, he had Alex Smith there for a bit. And let's not forget, Mahomes wasn't a first pick overall. He was a later pick. And people looked at him and went, he never had really great success at Texas Tech. He had Cliff Kingsbury as his coach, who sucked out loud. How that guy got that Arizona job with an under 500 record still blows my mind to today. So wait a minute. That guy couldn't win with Calder Murray or he couldn't win with Patrick Mahomes. That guy got a chance to be a head coach. Man, you don't have to be a good coach today to get an opportunity. I mean, he had Mahomes and Kyler Murray and couldn't win. Holy cow. I'm going to ask my friend Tony Bruno this. Let's bring Tony Bruno in here now. Tony. How are you, brother? All good, man. Talk to me about Philly Finn. Define him. I'll tell you this. 
I have found a home with these guys. I'm going to tell you why. They give me more shit than my wife does on a daily basis, but they show up every day, and I love it. I mean, I have, my wife goes, oh, hey, Sills, I just realized something. You're with a bunch of assholes. Who would have ever thought that it really worked? <laughs> Which assholes is she referring to? <laughs> I, I think she's referring more to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, it's funny, Dan, you know, because I, I worked in San Francisco for 17 years, even though I didn't live there. And so I love the Niners. I love the Niner fans, the Raider fans. I get along with all fans. But it's interesting that after that game on Sunday, I got all these San Francisco fans coming out after me for not saying anything controversial. All I said was, and I was doing a live, I was doing a live watch party during that game. So I didn't even have the sound on when I was watching it. And I could see like wh- when that catch was made by Devontae Smith at the three, I'm yelling, I don't know what they're saying on Fox. I'm yelling, they got a how, how's Shanahan not how is Shanahan not challenging that? And he didn't. And that's even why you Smith saw Devontae was Smith this. was getting up. Yeah, get up. Let's get to the line. You have to throw the flag there. And then he blames the Eagles stadium uh, crew for putting up a replay. Isn't that what you have guys in the booth to do? Isn't that an instinct? Because if you you challenge that, even if you lose, you know, you have to make that challenge because if they were it was overturned, which it would have been, then the Niners would have had the ball like at the 40-yard line and the Eagles wouldn't have scored. And that may have changed the entire dynamic of that game. That's a huge play despite it being early in the game. You can't worry about when, oh, I want to save it in the fourth quarter when I may not need it. You've got to make that challenge. And then and Shanahan, you know, who's a good coach, but you look at his record. You're talking about Andy Reid. I'll get to that in a second. But Shanahan, the 49ers have not won a Super Bowl since 1994. We talk about the Cowboys in 95. The Niners haven't. And the Niners have had good teams and good quarterbacks and good coaches through that era since they last won. And Shanahan's record in championship games and playoffs is not very good. Same thing happened to Andy Reid in Philly, as you remember, Dan. I mean, Andy Reid went to, what, five consecutive NFC championship games, was favored in pretty much every one of them, and then finally got one at the end, you know, and went to the Super Bowl before they lost to the Buccaneers in Jacksonville. And so that's what Andy Reid – that's how Andy Reid's career ended in Philly. Great coach, and he's going to go to the Hall of Fame, but he just didn't come up big whether it was his quarterback, Donovan McNabb, the receivers. You know, coaches will always make reasons. But nobody hates Andy Reid in Philly. The guy did an amazing job, and they'll have a statue up for him, even though he didn't win a Super Bowl there. And now you 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 know, now you look at the Niners, and people are – and the fans – here's the difference. The fans in Philly, they'll stay on a coach, just like New York fans, if they don't think the coach is, you know, delivering, whether it's his players or his assistant coaches, whatever they are, the, the head coach or the coordinators always take the blame – when the team fails at the end of the year, right? They don't blame the players. I mean, nobody's blaming Brock Purdy for getting hurt. They're blaming Mike Shanahan for putting Purdy in a situation where he didn't have guys that can block Hassan Reddick and the rest of the Eagles defensive line. And so Shanahan's got to take, I'm not calling for him to be fired. I'm just saying that people defending Mike Shanahan, and he's had multiple chances, you know, he's been in a couple Super Bowls, to close the door. And when you keep getting chance after chance and the fan base, no wonder why people like playing on the West Coast because there's no there's no there's no heat on coaches when their teams don't live up to expectations. Tony, how about this here? So totally right. I mean, I said this. I go. Jalen Hurts played awful in the game, but he didn't need to do anything. They only if you take that thirty yard pass away, they had two hundred thirty nine yards in total offense. The Eagles versus that forty nine er defense. 
you know, after Purdy goes out, there's no chance they were going to beat Philly with Josh Johnson or with Christian McCaffrey or a one-armed Purdy. There's no way. However, you're going into the half. He completes, Josh Johnson completes a 13-yard pass. You're there. You're 14-7. What does he do? Instead of taking a knee and regrouping in yep. the locker room, putting something together and being more patient, he ends up dropping the ball on the ground with a nervous quarterback. Eagles get the ball in field position. They go down and stretch the game out more. And I'm going like this. This guy will always have 28 to nothing hanging over him and his situational play calling in the halves and not challenging or not being aware of what's going on. I'll tell you, Tony, Nick Sirianni and that staff completely outcoached that football team on Sunday. Yep. I agree. And this is not this is not coming from a Philly homer. I mean, Nick Sirianni is only in his second year. Mike Shanahan's been around forever. He's a respected coach. And again, that's what it's all about. You're right. You know, Nick Sirianni is an aggressive coach. I mean, he went for it in his own 34. But because their offensive line and that team's confident that they can make a fourth down play. But, you know, in the situation of Brock Purdy, who was obviously hurt early in the game. And here's the other thing, Dan, that's really mind boggling to me. You know, I mean, I, I was I was doing a show. I was doing a show on No Filter Network and I was doing and I couldn't hear what they were saying. But when I saw a the 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 completion and I saw, you know, uh, I saw the, the, that it wasn't a completion right away. And I saw the receiver saying, let's go, let's get to the line. That was the first unbelievable decision by Mike Shanahan, which turned the momentum of the game. The second unbelievable decision, as you mentioned, was the situation where he, you're right, you got Josh Johnson in. He's taking a beating too. You got to take a knee and get the hell out of there because you're getting the ball to start the second half. And so you're every, still in it, Tony. It's 14-7. Yep. You're exactly. still in the thing. Exactly. And you lost Brock Purdy, and you still were able to get back in because, A, your offense is still really, really good. Your defense is still really, really good. And as you mentioned, Jalen Hurts was not able to throw the ball. You know, and the one time he went deep and the ball was overthrown, and the Niners' DBs played great. Their coverage on the outside receivers was phenomenal. But the problem is the Niners' defense, as great as it is, gave up four rushing touchdowns in that game. And once it got later, and even though Jalen Hurts didn't have to do a lot by throwing the ball because the Niners were concentrating on keeping him in the pocket, when, when, when they started getting tired and they were wearing down that 49er defense, you saw the frustrations, and you saw that Jalen Hurts then, just like Mahomes did in his game, said, I'm just going to take the ball now right and on. run this clock out and get first downs and start going out. Patrick Mahomes did the same thing. Another guy, you know, fighting an injury. Remember, I don't think I don't think uh, Jalen Hurts is 100%. Oh, no. I, th I, I think there's an issue, Tone. I, I think there's an issue with him, and I think we're going to see some news after the Super Bowl. I, I think that shoulder, according to Peter King, he Peter King asked him after the game, he goes, hey, when I threw that 40-yard pass, um, in the Giants game, that was the furthest pass I had thrown since Chicago, mm -hmm. and I didn't think I had enough, and it hurt like hell. Tone, I think he's got a rotator injury. He may, but you know, that's a great point, because you know, you played, you played at Miami, you played in the NFL. People don't realize all these guys are playing hurt right now, oh, yes. and you're running on adrenaline. But the one thing that really, really, another thing that I was really stunned at is that when Purdy got hurt, and I said it when, the, when I saw the injury, I didn't know he had a torn UCL, but I knew the way the elbow bent back that, you know, it wasn't just a minor. So what they do, they bring him on the sideline. He goes to the locker room for whatever reason, and then they have to put Josh Johnson in. Then he comes back out and there has an ice bag on 
and then they have guys rubbing and massaging his arm on the sideline. I mean, aren't you supposed to realize? And the kid was saying he was hurt. He said it hurt to throw the ball. And then they put him back in the game knowing that he couldn't throw the ball more than 10 yards. And they had to use Christian McCaffrey at one point. So whose fault is that? That to me is, once again, the medical department of the 49ers, you know, so worried about having him out there to make it look like he was ready to go back in. And I had all these Niner fans around me saying, you got to put him back in. If he's on the sideline, put him back in the game. They need him. They're not going to win without him. But you had a guy who was hurt and hurt badly on the sideline. And I was jokingly that just, I was yelling, yes, spit on it, rub some dirt on it. You know, I used to say when kids got hurt and then you, and they got a little cut, you know, just spit on that thing and just put some dirt on it. This guy was hurt. How he do was. you not make sure that you get him help. But I think they wanted to create the illusion, Dan, that he was going to go back in at times and fans were screaming, get him back in. If he's out there, then it must mean he can play. And so there were so many things that just didn't make sense in this game. You know, obviously the officiating wasn't great in either game. And these are the all-star teams. That's the best part of it. These are all-star crews. And unfortunately, you know, both, I think both games, there were a lot of questionable calls and, and there were a lot of legit calls. So, you can't blame the officiating when it's a 31 to 7 beatdown, Dan, even though the score is not indicative of the game. You know, the Eagles' running game wasn't great, but they scored four rushing touchdowns. Yeah, and you saw great. several of them were just like walk ins. I mean, they weren't like they were, you know, one, one yard plunges with six guys pushing Jalen Hurts from behind. I mean, the, the two runs were like right up the middle and right to the side. And, and what's his name wasn't touched once. The the, uh, the Pro Bowl running back Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders on his two touchdowns went in untouched both times. Absolutely, Tone. Let me throw this at you here, and let me get your opinion on this because 2020 draft class. Now you have an opportunity to address um, uh, contract extensions. Looks like the Bengals have begun contract talks with Joe Burrow. God, that guy's going to make maybe seventy million dollars, and now you get a chance to talk with Jalen Hurts here. Here's my problem: paying Hurts. Do you want a full roster like you have in Philadelphia right now where you can go into free agent mark and get Hassan Reddick or $25 million wide receiver and A.J. Brown? Jalen Hurts, the only reason the Eagles are in the Super Bowl is because all those free agents panned out because the quarterback makes $1.3 million and he played at an MVP level. Tony, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a $1.3 million quarterback in the conversation for most valuable player. Burrow is in that. But Burrow's a different kind of animal. We're talking about a dropback guy versus a dual threat guy who they don't last long. That is the, there's not a high ceiling. Do you want to pay $50 million for Patrick Mahomes? They have no running game. Their old line is not the best. They're kind of sporadically good on defense. Chris Jones is great. There's a linebacker that's decent. They're, they got two rookies starting at corner because the quarterback makes 50. And they can't keep Tyree Kill. Kelsey's there. That's it. Would you rather have the ability and the leverage to move around and build a roster like the 49ers and the Eagles do by not paying a quarterback? Or do you want a $50 million quarterback? Well, they got to resign Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean, they have to. I mean, but if this you guy... put 50 in there, Tony, you're going to lose, guys. You're not going to lose Hassan Reddick. I mean, you know, listen, they're going to have to make some decisions. Jason Kelsey, this may be his final year, you know, and he's one of the greatest centers of all time. So I wouldn't worry about that. Remember, look at the quarterbacks that the Eagles have had. Everybody's making everything about race. Nobody's had more African-American quarterbacks 
you know, than the Philadelphia Eagles in the last two decades. You know, go back to Randall Cunningham. Down, you know, Donna McNabb was a high draft pick. You know, you had Michael Vick in there. And then you got Jalen Hurts. And remember, when they saw it, when they drafted Hurts, people were scratching their heads. And, you know, this guy, in the beginning, they said he couldn't. I, actually, somebody put a compilation together on Twitter of all the national talking heads, including, you know, Colin Cowherd and people I know and respect. But all, I'm not talking about fans. I'm talking about guys on TV, Chris Sims. And again, all these guys that I like personally, they're all saying Jalen Hurts doesn't yeah, have but, an arm. But he Tony, everybody in Philly was saying the second round pick was a bust. But because that's what fans do when a guy doesn't come in and immediately take you to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, fans, <laughs> you know, in Philly, New York fans, they were saying that about Danny Dimes after the first year. <laughs> but they, you know, but the Jet fans were all excited about, you know, two number one draft picks, you know, that were drafted high and then flamed out including the last guy who they don't even want around the building. He's going to have to become the new MILF hunter because he was the guy that was supposed to be the next guy. So, you know, when you play in New York or you play in Philly and tough markets like that, if you're a high draft pick and you can't even start ahead of guys like Joe Flacco and guys you sign off the street, that's not a good sign. So to me, I think the Eagles, you know, just like everybody's giving the Niners credit for taking Brock Purdy with the very last pick. And it was a brilliant move because they didn't think they were going to need him. You know, when they had Trey Lance and they had Jimmy G. And so that was smart because he wound up being the guy to go in there, just like the Eagles with Nick Foles. You know, when Carson Wentz got hurt, he went in there and took him to the Super Bowl and won it. So to me, when you have a franchise quarterback, do you doubt that that Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback? No, I don't think he's going to last long because I'll just do this. RG3, Kyler Murray, won't see him till next October. Lamar Jackson, the reason Baltimore is wavering on him, it's not talent tone. It's the ability to be healthy, and this will be, in my opinion, we're going to see something probably after the Super Bowl. He may have to go under the knife for the second straight year. He's not going to get healthier. So there's not a giant window here. This guy's not going to have, hey, the guy in Buffalo, if he doesn't control himself and run better and get a better running game behind him, he's going to be Andrew Luck too. I mean, Andrew Luck ran that way. He had a seven-year career, Tone. I mean, if you run, and that's part of your arsenal, and Tom Brady couldn't jump over a stack of quarters. Right. This guy was relied on his arm and his ability to read defenses. If Jalen doesn't have the components, look what the shoulder injury does for him, Tone. It affects his running game and throwing game. If Brady gets a knee injury like he did early in his career, that doesn't affect his ability to win Super Bowls. That would affect Jalen. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with most of that. But the difference between the Carson Wentz's of the world – those guys ran recklessly. The same thing with Kyler That's Murray. That's a good point. They run recklessly. Jalen Hurts, remember, Carson Wentz didn't even know how to do a baseball slide. So he kept getting crushed, you know, and he was he had a great year that one year when they went to the Super Bowl. And then he got hurt. And then luckily they had a backup quarterback who went in and, and took him the rest of the way and then won the game against the Patriots. But to me, Jalen Hurts, unlike a lot of the other guys who run around, you're seeing that when they said he couldn't throw, you know, and all he did was run, he went out and proved that they can run. And he's got a great running back. He's got three great running backs. You know, he's got three guys that can go in there and do anything. And he had Corey Clement. And you look at the guys that, that he's had, you know, in Philly. Now, I think Corey Clement was already gone when he won the Super Bowl. But he's got the same off, couple of the same offensive linemen, maybe the greatest center of all time when all is said and done. And they've got studs on that offensive line and some young guys. Not you know, These guys aren't all old other than Jason Kelsey. So their offensive line is strong. 
you know, they, they're position players, they're skill position players a week, and Eagle fans were killing Howie Roseman, you know, for some of the horrific wide receiver drafts that he had a couple of years ago. Remember Jay Jaw? And then, of course, uh, Rager. The guy that they, yeah, Jalen Rager. I mean, these guys couldn't play, and they couldn't face the heat of being in Philly. And when you're a high draft pick and you play in Philly or New York and you can't do anything and get out of your own way, you know, you're not going to last. So you got to give, you know, a guy who was nobody was more maligned than Howie Roseman in Philly. They were calling for him firing. He stinks. He's got to get out of there. Jeffrey Lurie's got to sell the team. You know how fans overreact. The same thing the Niners are doing now, except nobody's telling the Niners to fire Shanahan. They're just saying, well, you know, it's the, the, the official's fault or, you know, they, 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 they tried to hurt Brock Purdy. They didn't try to hurt. That Hassan Reddick hit was as clean as you could get. He, he single-handedly, Dad, wrecked that game in the first he half. He is I, a forced tone. I couldn't have been more wrong about a guy because early in the year, they couldn't figure out how to use him because right. Carolina and Arizona couldn't figure out. But yet you see double-digit sacks and you're like, why is he on his third team? In three years, and when they got Sue and Joseph, and then he was able to just rush the passer, Tony, he's outplayed Michael Parsons, and to yep. some extent, I think he's even outplayed Nick Boza. Oh, absolutely. He you look at his numbers. The MVP of the Eagles in the playoffs so far. No doubt about it, and I've been saying that for weeks. You know, he went to Temple. I mean, he's a Camden, New Jersey guy, so I've watched Hassan Reddick play. And, and you know, we talk about the K- Christian McCaffrey uh, deal with Carolina – was a steal, and that that really, to me, with all the other stuff that the Niners do great, when they got CMC, oh, yeah. he was the cattle. I mean, without Christian McCaffrey, they were twelve not, and one when they got him. Yep, but they they're not tasting the playoffs without Christian McCaffrey. They're no. not making a run and getting to the NFC Championship game. So that was a great pickup for the Niners and the Hassan Reddick and and the signing of Sue and and you know and Linville in the middle of the season when anybody could have signed them. Unbelievable. But those guys, but those guys both said. They knew that they had a chance to go to a Super Bowl. That's what Indomitian Sue said. You know, hey, I'm coming here because I got a chance to go to a Super Bowl again. And so that's why, guys, you know, it happens in the NBA when players want to go and play with LeBron. We know when he was the most dominant player, he's still a great player, but the Lakers aren't going anywhere, you know, because it's all about LeBron breaking the record now, the scoring record, because they're not going deep into the playoffs. But LeBron no. is still a force to for everybody wants to tune in and watch him play. To me, you got to resign Jalen Hurts. He's got to be a franchise guy. They don't have anybody on their roster who's even close to being ready. No. You know, and so to me, I think he proved his point. Nobody was down on Jalen Hurts more than the media and more than fans. You know, but when he got a chance to take the team and and work with guys, and he works in the off season with guys. You know, he's not one of these guys who just shows up. He works hard all the time. No, and he worked with at- Tom House in the off season here with Brady's guy. Yep. And and then really improved this passing game. Tone, I want to ask you a question about the ownership. Now, you and I go – well, you go further back with the Eagles, obviously, but Jerome Brown and I went back yep. to Norman Brayman. We know him from South Florida. He was a terrible owner, didn't want to spend any money. This guy comes in here, and I got to say this to you. This is going to be the second Super Bowl in five years. It'll be Jeffrey Lurie's third Super Bowl since he's owned a team and completely outdistancing Jerry Jones since Jones won the Super Bowl. I got to say this to you. Look at the last – since Andy Reid – winning record as an Eagle coach, even dumbass Chip Kelly, a winning record as an Eagle head coach, yep. Doug Peterson, winning record, Super Bowl, Nick Sirianni, winning record. Now he's in the Super Bowl. I'll tell you for all the shit that organization takes, and I give them a ton of it too, 
But I'll tell you what, when they see a mistake, they move off it. Yep. They make right hires. Look at Andrew Berry now. He's a GM in Cleveland. You got Joe Douglas with the Jets. You got Wall up there, the assistant general mm -hmm. manager in Pittsburgh. I mean, it's a well-run organization, and that has to go back to the owner. Absolutely. And I remember when he bought the team, because I was doing local sports radio at WIP, and people were like, he spent eight $285 million to buy this team? And Brayman was a used car sailor salesman from Miami and everybody knew that he he didn't buy the team because he no. really wanted to win he didn't even live in Philly he was the living Cone, in Miami. the guy in France the guy in France that's what Buddy Ryan used to call him that's why Buddy was the, the guy in France they knew that he wasn't there he hired Rich Kotite you know who's who would complain about the his plague sheets being uh, he couldn't see the play sheet because when it rained, the ink ran down. I mean, those are the kinds of excuses. And Rich Kotite was the guy you remember under Norman Brayman, who when he was asked, when Reggie when Reggie White, and you know that off that defensive line with the Eagles with Reggie and Jerome and those guys, you know, was it, Reggie White's arguably one of the top three, if not top number one defensive end of all time, right? Oh, Here he is in Philadelphia, right? Guy who's done everything. And then Norman Brayman, wouldn't offer him, wouldn't even offer him a contract. You wouldn't offer Reggie White a contract. And when Rich Kotite was asked about whether or not he wants uh, Reggie White back as a head coach, he wouldn't even answer the questions. How would a head coach on any team not say, because he was afraid of the owner, he was afraid to say, I, you know, uh, all you got to say is, yeah, I'd love to have Reggie White back here. But he didn't have the balls to say it. And so then Reggie White goes to Green Bay, everybody mocks him. And he goes and wins a Super Bowl in New Orleans. And I remember there, I was there in New Orleans, and I, I called Reggie, and I said, Reg, I got to talk to him. And he allowed me to go into his, into his hotel room and get an exclusive interview with him because of how much I fought against the Eagles who did not make him an offer. We had a rally, a Reggie rally in downtown Philly where 50,000 people showed up as I condemned Norman Brayman in a public square because that's how outraged the Philly fans were. You don't let a guy like Reggie White walk away and then go win a Super Bowl somewhere else. So thank God Norman Brayman sold and got out, and thank God. The, Tony know, Bruno the, is the, the only the, guy who can go yeah. on the flagship station of the Eagles and hold a rally blowing up the owner. <laughs> exactly, because that's what fans do in passionate cities. When they see an owner who's a weasel, who's a liar, and that's what Norman Brayman was, we called him out. And his hiring of Rich Kotite, not a bad guy, was just proof that he didn't really care about winning. He didn't care. He had to get rid of Buddy Ryan, and he didn't care about winning. And then he made one bad hire after another. And then, luckily, Jeffrey Lurie, who went through a lot of growing pains. You know, people ripped Jeffrey Lurie when he said, I want to be the gold standard of the NFL, because that's what the Patriots were, because the Patriots were great, you know, the entire Tom Brady era. And when he said, we're going to be the gold standard, the local media in Philly mocked him. Well, how can you say that? What do you have to show for it? And now you watch this guy, and the guy – is is delivering the fans love him and because he's brought he's brought consistently quality players and quality coaches now since he took over so you got to give him credit and that's what fans always do dan you know this when you have a bad owner no matter what city you're in the fans are going to realize that the owner's bad and you can't get away with it in this day and age where fans know everything you know the guy in france to me was the greatest the greatest ripping of a, of your boss ever when one buddy Ryan referred to the guy who was paying him to coach the Philadelphia Eagles. They wanted the Jim Lachey. They wanted yeah. Jim Lachey. I, because <laughs> the guys, Keith Byers and uh, Keith Jackson, told me the story that Byers had put the deal together because they were going to make a trade, Tony, with San Diego. So where does 
where does Jim Lachey end up? Washington. Mm-hmm. And those guys were like, all I'm going to say this to you about Randall. Randall Cunningham, if he played in today's NFL, would be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, remember, Patrick Mahomes, now, at the Super Bowl, which Super Bowl was it, Robin, where we got to meet Patrick Mahomes? It was before he was drafted in Houston, the Houston Super Bowl. So now Patrick Mahomes. Is that Miss Robin? Put her face in there. I want to see her. She's got the camera on. I don't have a camera on me right now. damn you. That was 2017 um, for the 2016 season. Was that the Eagles Super Bowl? No, no. No. The Eagles were in Minnesota. This was the year before Patrick Mahomes was New Orleans? No, yeah. it was in Houston. It was in Houston. It was in Houston. Oh, Houston. Was... Okay, I was there for that. Yeah, it was February 2017, and he got drafted in April. Yeah, that, so it was his... at Reliant Tone. Yeah, his uh, his agent was Lee Steinberg, you know, the, the quarterback yep. agent. Yep. So I remember because Lee and I go back, and he always oh, yeah. loves coming on the show, and Lee's a great guy. And so Lee, Lee Steinberg said, hey, I got this kid, you know, I got this kid who I think is going to be great. I want you to have him on your show. And I said, absolutely. So Patrick Mahomes shows up with his mom. And I'm sitting there talking. I sat down. We talked to Patrick Mahomes for like 20 minutes. And I said immediately to Lee and everybody else, I said, you know, I knew Mahomes' dad, you know, pitched in the major leagues. And I said, wow, you know what? Because, you know, these guys are all physical specimens. But he wasn't a big, big, bulky guy. He just had that demeanor. And I said as soon as he was done, I said, this guy is going to step in and be a star immediately in the NFL because he had everything you want. He had the athletic ability. Ken came from a family, grew up in locker rooms, understands the dynamic of teamwork. And I said, this kid's going to be something special. And he is. Right now, you look at the numbers, Dan. He was He's like number two all-time already in super uh, in postseason touchdown passes. It's insane. He His moved ahead of Joe Montana. The only guy ahead of him is Tom Brady. And the five top guys with, with, with touchdown passes in the postseason – are all Hall of Famers. Tony, and this, here he is. this is the only reason that I think, along with Andy, that I think that they have a puncher shot beating the Eagles is because of what that kid is. Absolutely. Look, you got Juju Smith-Schuster, a bunch of nobodies. you got Kelsey, no run game. Orlando Brown is overrated. They got Chris Jones on the other side. I'm like this. Where's the matchup outside of the quarterback and head coach? That I see Kansas City taking out that offensive line, that front seven. They got 80 sacks, Tony. I know. 80 freaking That's better than the 85 Bears. <laughs> I mean, where's the advantage? I mean, personally, Tone, I don't see this as a close game. So you taking the Eagles right now? You here? I, I, think I mean, 31, almost. We didn't, we're not even into Super Bowl week yet, Dan. Tone, People are still complaining the about the officials and about the Shanahan Tone, and about Matt Brock Purdy. So where's the advantage? Where's the advantage they have? Well, you're right. There's no home field because, you know, it's going to be played at a neutral field. Listen, right. I love where, Patrick Where's Mahomes. the advantage? I don't see it. I think the Eagles – you you saw what they did to that great pass rush of the 49ers with that offensive line, right? You yeah. See that the, you see that the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, as great as they are, you can move the ball on them. And so I think Jalen Hurts with an – you know, both guys are a little hurting. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is, is a maestro. But to me, when you look at the two quarterbacks, they're the difference makers in this game. But I think the Eagles have an advantage on defense, on pressuring the quarterback. And again, even if they don't sack Patrick Mahomes, what they did what they did to Brock Purdy, which I thought was great coaching by the Eagles defensive staff, is they watched the film of Purdy. Purdy was getting it done, 
by getting out of the pocket and rolling right and then seeing all of those big plague makers, McCaffrey, you know, the tight end. Uh, uh, you look at the three main weapons, Debo Samuel, even, you know, Ayuk, who wasn't even a factor in this game. Was he, was he on the field at all? But I, I didn't see any of those. Guys, Once Purdy went down tone, I didn't see any of those guys. But McCaffrey guys had to come in. McCaffrey. McCaffrey and then had that a monster run where he like ran over three guys and got into the end zone for their only touchdown. But what I'm saying is Brock Purdy was able to roll out by himself some time and then find, you know, get a little dump off eight, nine, 10 yard pass to McCaffrey. You know, he threw that ball to, to, uh, to the tight end who made that unbelievable catch the week before bobbling it and hits off his face mask and he catches it. Those are the plays that they were getting with Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy was able to roll out, but the Eagles defense, found a way to keep him in the middle of the field, in the pocket, just like the Diners did to Jalen Hurts, keeping him in the pocket to, so they would dare him to throw the football. They did the same thing to Purdy in the pocket, and they did the same thing to Hurts, and it worked both ways because both defenses are, are, are stout up front and in the secondary. And the Niners' defensive backfield was phenomenal in this game. And so Hurts at the end of the game, because he's experienced and his team was up, and they were wearing the Niners down, he was able to put the finishing touches on and, you know, and, and close that one out early in the fourth quarter. And, the, and you know, and people are saying they're going to use their time. I said, San Francisco's not going to use their three timeouts when they're down 28 to games you know, over. To whatever. Yeah, the game and the, and the players know it. The players know it. So it's not like you're not trying to rub it in their faces. No. You know, as a player, you know, as, as anybody who watched football, that that game is over once per party. But to me, the biggest crime, Dan, when all is said and done, is how they what they did with Brock Purdy. We talk about you know how great they were in Buffalo. You know when Demar when Demar Hamlin went down. Now I mean, he's in out Cincinnati, six months. In Cincinnati, you saw how great the medical attention was there. And obviously, the, the injury to Brock Purdy was not where a guy was out cold on the field and they had to bring in an ambulance. But the way they had him on the sideline and they're massaging a guy. I know massaging a guy, thinking that they hope he can get in. Why not do an MRI? I mean, you, because they didn't want to get they didn't want him to leave the stadium because they were hoping that he could go back into the game somehow and and lead a, a victory, lead a come from behind victory. I just, I mean, again, like you said, you're always talking about player safety. It doesn't always have to be just about concussions. One last thing, Tone. You know, I mean, for all the shit that we hear about the Cowboys and every all the the pumping up of the Cowboys and this and that and. I said this, they'll never win a Super Bowl. And as much as I like the Joneses and know the Jones family, yep. they're never going to win because of the meddling of the owner getting in the way. The Eagles, this is their third Super Bowl. They have more playoff wins than all of the teams combined in the NFC East since 2000. This is a true testament also to the general manager, to everything that goes on. Yep. But if you're Jerry Jones, you're paying Dak Prescott $45 million. You're in salary cap hell next year, even more so with Zeke. You're looking up. You're not just looking up at the league now. You're looking up at the Eagles in your own division. You can't compete with the Eagles right now, Tone. Well, they've got – I mean, obviously their defense is great. They got – you know, they hit with Micah Parsons. They got some great young defense. But they're players. always one and done. No, you're right about that, and that's that's something you have to be concerned about. You know, listen, I, you know, I joke around about the Cowboys, and I've been having fun with them. Even Troy Aikman knows – and. Troy's become a good friend and Michael yep. Irvin, you know, I know those guys. They knew when I was on the air doing the, and then and now Stephen A. Smith is like now the ultimate cowboy hater. I've been a cowboy hater since when they were good in the nineties on national radio, but it wasn't hate. It was a, you're a Philly hate. guy. Shit. What do you think? Exactly. It's a sports <laughs> hate. When you come out of the womb in Philly, you don't root for yeah, the Cowboys. Right. You know, that same thing with you're Giants a Philly fans. guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. And Tony Bruno doesn't like, hey, wait a minute. Hey, Miss Robin, here's an epiphany. Tony Bruno doesn't like the Cowboys. Where's he from? Philly. He's a he's a guinea from Philly. What are you exactly. talking about? Exactly right. No, but it's not that I hate the Cowboys. I don't hate the human beings. You know, it's a of sports, course. it's a sports thing. You know, it's like they're rivals. And and remember, it's easy to hate a team as you know, as as your opponent, as you know, a rival when they're bad. I was hating on the Cowboys when they were good in the 90s. That's that takes cojones. Can I tell you why I hate Howie Roseman? <laughs> why? <laughs> I hate Howie Roseman as long as I live. He's a gator. <laughs> Howie Roseman went to the University of Florida? Yes. <laughs> I did not know that. Well, you know, in, in the words of the Florida Gator fans, whenever I'm down there in Alligator Alley, it's great to be a Florida Gator. Excuse me, we own you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I had nothing to you know, I was like, you went to the U. I know the Florida Gators are, you know, rivals. But oh. right now, the U, unfortunately, Dan, Ugh. I don't know. When are they My boy to Mario's going to get it turned around, though. My boy Mario's going to get it turned around. We love it. Tony, can we do this on Super Bowl week, you think? Well, I'll be on. I'm going to, I'm going to Arizona. I'll be there on Radio Row after a two-year absence. Holy I cow, mad. I can't. I'm going to be down there um, because my daughter goes to Grand Canyon University. Get this. She's a captain of the rugby team. They're number two in the country. Wow, I didn't know that. Congratulations, so I'm there man. Every, yeah, I'm there every weekend almost to see her play. I think they're playing Arizona the Saturday before. So we got to hook up for a beer, brother. Absolutely. Well, you'll find me on Radio Row. You'll know. You'll hear me. I'll, yep. be, I'll be the guy. Uh, it'll be the most popular. Trust me, folks. It'll be the most popular <laughs> spot. Not because of Tony Bruno, but because of Miss Robin. Well, that's, that's true, too. Okay, and by the Ms. way, I don't Robin, know if you heard the breaking news. Much. Why, thank you. I don't know if you heard the big news that broke a couple of weeks ago. This is pretty, on, Dan, on, Dan, you know this. We, You've known us, uh, Tony. I started working with him a little bit over 15 years ago. 15 started, years together. Yep. And on New Year's Eve Eve, on my Friday night show on No Filter Network, I dropped down to one knee and I proposed to Miss Robin, saying that oh I never would get married God. again. But I went down to one knee. He did it on the show, completely shocked the crap out of me. I put I a mean, ring on it, man. I put it's a on ring video. On. It's on It's on YouTube. <laughs> Unbelievable. As the great fiance would say, that is fabulous news with you two. And all of you, and you know this, Miss Robin. There's only one person, I think, in broadcasting that's better than me, and I'm talking to him right now. So <laughs> that's my ego. <laughs> Well, hopefully guys, we I see love you, you in very Arizona, much. Bro. I'll see you during Super Bowl week. Thank you guys so much for coming aboard. It's been a blast. Thank you, Dan. Always good to talk to you, man. You got it, man. That's my dear friend, Tony Bruno. God, he and I started Fox Sports Radio. He was the superstar, though. I was the guy in his lead-in. And I'll never forget one time. What, what was it? Uh, let's see. Uh, Willie Stargell died. And so we're walking in, and he had this buffoon of a producer named well, I don't even Evan, Evan Mandelbaum. Okay. Tony walked, this guy walks in and he goes, Dave Parker's dead. Tony looks over at me, he goes, Dave Parker's dead. And I go, You mean Willie Stargell, you bonehead? And Tony's like, That's my producer. <laughs> Hit the like button, hour two. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades, no judgment zone for credit issues, the best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, owner appreciation event. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team in town. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game. Now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500, or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
everybody coming aboard. Thank you guys for stepping in with us. Bill Moss from the broadcast team of the Kansas City Chiefs, a former Rookie of the Year, will join us. That will be at the bottom of the hour. Love catching up with Tony Bruno. It's always great to talk to a Philly legend like him. Man, he and I have been friends forever. All right. We're going we're gonna to play general manager here, and I'm going to ask you guys a question here on some of the team on what it's going to look like after the Super Bowl here. Numbers just came out today. Um, Jackson says, I would pay Hurts before Lamar. He's a team-first guy. Would there be off-ramps put into the Jalen Hurts contract like you have with Patrick Mahomes? You know, the one thing about the Mahomes deal, you know what we should get on? We should get on Lee Steinberg, who put that contract together. And I'll say this to you. They made it very team-friendly. Albeit it's a $500 million contract and north of $500 million. But what they did, they made sure that they put off-ramps so that the team could constantly renegotiate and restructure bonuses and incentives and everything that's in the contract. Lee said, when you're putting a half a billion dollars in front of a team, you've got to make it so the team goes, we're getting a deal, or they're not going to do it. Remember something about billionaires, guys. Billionaires don't cut good deals with people. That's why they're billionaires. They're not fair with anything they do, including their players. Dude, just because a guy pats you on the head and tells you he loves you doesn't mean he's going to pay you. That's not what billionaires' DNA is. Like I said, they're sharks. They're going to get the best deal they can. And that includes your guy, Hurts. I'm going to go, hey, I love you, Jalen. I love you. Man, don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. Show me that money. This is what I think Clutch Sports has to do. I think they have to put these off-ramps in there so Jalen constantly can renegotiate while not losing any market value. And if I'm Jalen Hurts and I continue to win the way I'm winning, I don't want a Patrick Mahomes 10-year deal. Why is that? Because the market is constantly shifting. The cap is constantly going up. Why would I want to be stuck in a $42 million deal that Patrick Mahomes is going to be stuck in six years from now? He'll be the 11th highest paid guy and probably the best quarterback. But he did that by design. You see, the Chiefs and Clark Hunt and Lee Steinberg knew this guy's going to sign for $500 million, right? And when he signed it, everyone went, whoa. Five years from now, that's an outdated deal. The Chiefs looked at it that they got a deal. That's what Jalen's people has to do. They have to make it feel that the Eagles got a deal. They've got to make it, hey, man, you got over on us, and you're still paying the guy $50 million or $45 million, whatever the number. Make these owners feel they won. The heat on Dak in Dallas is insane because he sucks at $45 million. Jerry Jones is not getting his value for the guy. And now, by the way, you've got Mike McCarthy as your play caller. If I'm an Eagle fan, I'm excited. Mike McCarthy is the play caller now in Dallas. Shit, that thing has no chance of success. No chance of success. Okay? No chance. 
Lipton goes like this. If I was a dual threat quarterback, I'd take a 10-year, 500 million. They'll never offer that. So I want to show you something here. By the way, Bill Moss, bottom of the hour. Here are the projections for market value for players. And I've got all the free agents for the Eagles. And I want to get your opinion on where we go with this. Knowing that there's a contract extension talk in the offseason here for Jalen Hurts. Okay? We may get interrupted by Bill. We'll continue it. Quarterback, $32 million. Running back, $10 million. Wide receiver, $19.7 million is the market value. That's insane how that position's value has skyrocketed. 19.7. That's insane. 19.7 for a top flight wide receiver today. Tight end, 11.3. O line, 18.4. Both tackles in Philly are making that. DE, 19.7. DT 18.9, linebackers, $20.1 million is the market value. Cornerbacks, 18.1. Safety, 14.4. Let's take a look at your 2023 projections of your Eagles. What that team's going to look like if they don't win the Super Bowl this year. Fletcher Cox. Is currently 32 years old, making 14-4. The only way, and I'm playing GM here, the only way I want Cox back is at $7 million. If he doesn't take it, he's cut or traded. Am I wrong? He is by far not a 14.4 guy. What do you do with Fletcher Cox? I say this is his last year in Philly. So you now have... You now have cleared up $14 million. And by the way, watch this. On the way out the door, Fletcher, you're a Hall of Fame Eagle. Thank you very much for your service. You'll never be forgotten. You're part of two Super Bowl wins in five years. You were part of the greatest era in the history of Philadelphia football. We can't thank you enough. And Fletcher goes somewhere maybe that there's another opportunity for him at Seven million, where he'll play and be more productive, and you you go and it's just that's right, Brian. It's just the name of the game. It's no disrespect to him. Okay, Robert Quinn, you're not really paying the fourteen four. The Bears are, but you lost the fourth round pick, so that's gone. But you're not paying the fourteen four on that. Um. B. Graham, what do you do with him? 13, 3, 35 years old. Not happening. Okay, not happening. 13, 3, we don't do retirement funds in Philly. That's, that's 35. Had a fabulous year. He's gone too. Now, he may restructure. He may want to come back and run it back one more time. He may. So watch this. He's not on the books, but he could come back at a reduced rate. And I could see him potentially doing that and coming back and saying, I'll play for six with incentives to get me to 8 million or what have you. 
right? I could see him doing that. He loves being an eagle. Javon Hardgrave is going to be a hard sign. He makes 12-9 now. 13 million, excuse me. And the market value for a defensive tackle is 18-9. You're not resigning this guy. Not with your back end having to be addressed. He's 29 years old. Are you going to let a defensive tackle who's 29 years old, who had 11 sacks, walk out the building? Now, the top end market price is 18.9. He'll probably come in somewhere between 16 and 17. Will the Eagles give that to him? Ray says yes. I'm more apt to believe this. He's not going to get the 19 million, but I think they have to resign him. And I think Hardgrave comes back. And I think Hardgrave. I think he gets the $17 million. 17. I think Hardgrave comes back at 17. I want him back. I drafted him. I've developed him. He's a leader in the middle there. I think he's played great in the postseason. You pay him. Kelsey's $9 million. Man, I'd do everything in my power to say, please come back. I mean, this guy... He was in the second half of that 49er game. I don't know if I've seen him play a better ball game. He was unbelievable. He destroyed Armstead. They were knocking guys in that middle of that Niner defense freaking out. Dude, I do everything in my power to bring this guy back. Rock, I'm with you, man. One more year, brother. Let's do it. James Bradbury. I didn't think he was this old. He's 29. Um, 7.2. Cornerback, 18-1. Dude, you're going to market $13 million, $12 million right now. He'll go get $12 million. 13. Are the Eagles going to sign Bradbury for 13 to $14 million? Okay. Is, 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 is that important to you? Bradbury or do you let Bradbury walk and you draft a corner because you got Slay. see Slay to me is I want to move off of Slay I'm going to do this I'm going to tell you my my this is me you may guys may disagree I'm moving off of Slay in the offseason I'm signing Bradbury and I'm going to give him 16 million dollars I'm giving Bradbury 16 I'm moving off of Slay you guys probably disagree Big time with me, but I'm moving off him. He's 33 years old, 32 years old. I don't think he played that well in the second half of the season. Yet he made the Pro Bowl. I thought Bradbury had the better year. Uh, Marcus Slay is 32 years old. Dude, and get something for him as a value before March. You know what I'm saying? No disrespect. He, he was a trade anyway. He's not a home guy. Say Amalo, watch this, 5.3. Boy, he played great against the Niners. He was great against the Niners. Um, offensive lineman, 18.4. Dude, you ain't paying him 5.3. He's 29 years old. That's young for an old lineman. He'll command $14 million. I believe they're going to let him walk. He's out. You're going to let Isaac Say Amalo walk. 29 years old, he makes 5'3", and the market right now is 18 for an O-lineman. 
he's not going to sit around for a hometown discount of ten million when he can go make fourteen with the Giants or the or or, or the Commanders. I'm with you, Nick. I would pay him too, but I don't think they will because you got a quarterback to pay. That's a great point. I wonder if Howie and the Eagles are not likely ever to do this, but they don't really use the franchise tag. Can you guys tell me? Hey, Yale, when's the last guy they used the franchise tag on? I don't remember the Eagles being very prominent with the franchise tag. Who was the last guy they tagged? Deshaun Jackson? What's that, 10 years ago? Holy shit. 10 years ago? Man. They're, they may do this because they have an option here with this contract extension with Hertz. Remember something. If they pay Hertz $45 million, okay, that doesn't kick in next year. He'll be still on the 1-3 deal. He'll still be on the final year of his contract. That's what Josh Allen was on. I thought Josh Allen's deal started this year. It doesn't until next year. That's why Stephon Diggs is not going to be a bill. Stephon Diggs will not be in Buffalo at the start of next year. No way. Andre Dillard, you lose your depth. Three million, 27 years of age, never really panned out. And it's kind of a headache bit. I may draft an offensive lineman in the second round and get this guy's ass out of here because I don't really like him. I don't think he's a team guy. Hey, we need you to play here. I can't. What? He's out. Kaiser White. Three million. 26 years of age. This is a young linebacker who's pretty good. He makes three. Listen, he ain't going to make $18 million in the open. No one's paying him 10. Would you pay Kaiser White $7 million? Would you pay him $7 million? Someone's going to. Kaiser White's played well for you. He's been a consistent linebacker. But you got to decide between him and TJ. So I got to let Kaiser go. Because I got N'Kobe Dean I could slug in there. Eventually, N'Kobe Dean's got to show he can play. And that's yet to be determined. That's a gamble right there. TJ Edwards, 2.2 million, 26. He's going to command a lot of money and there's going to be a lot of bidders for him. Linebacking's top is 20.9 million. What do you do? He's not going to make 20.9 cuz he can't cover tight ends. Okay, he struggles with that and backs out of the backfield. I would offer him a 3-year contract at roughly Near 30. Wait. 25. 25 million with incentives to maybe 30 for three. With a base of seven. Okay? See if he takes that. I'm not going above that. Jim says no way. I think it's high too, Jim, but he's been pretty good for you. He's been pretty good for you. So you're going to let both backers go? Now you got to be in the market to go get a... Okay, Jim. So Jim goes, no way. Okay, so you're going to go into the draft and you're going to have N'Kobe Dean take over for Kaiser White and a rookie take over at middle linebacker. Really? Your defense is already, with those two moves, not the same. 
What are you going to do? I think you're kind of forced to keep, well, you got to keep White or Edwards. Which one are you keeping? So you're going to draft a middle linebacker and put Nicobe Dean that you're not sure could play yet in place of White. Okay. That's what you guys want to do? I think you got to keep TJ. I'm offering him seven. All right, we're going to pick it up right there. And I'll tell you something here. You could not have two better fan bases in the Super Bowl and two better football towns. Look, man, it's one thing to have New York and Los Angeles. That's not the NFL. You know what the NFL is? It's Kansas City and Philly. Those are football cities. Those are pro football cities that fans are absolutely passionate about. That's what makes those – dude, Chiefs Kingdom and Fly Eagles Fly, dude, those guys, man, you do something stupid, they'll let you know in 10 seconds. And if you say something stupid, they'll let you know even in five seconds. Former Rookie of the Year, he's a Chief Ambassador, and I'll tell you what, former Fox analyst too, and he's our friend, former Pitt Panther legend. Our friend Bill Moss joins us right now and – Bill, it must be crazy. Bill, this got to be the greatest era in Kansas City football, right? Under Andy Reid right here? Dan, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I, don't, I don't think uh, fans really take the time to appreciate uh, what's going on in middle of America here in this small market with um, the likes of what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing, three Super Bowls in the last four years. Um, you go back over the last 10 years, we've got uh, – two World Series from the Royals. We got KU, national champions. I mean, things are going on in Kansas City right here, and uh, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are at the top of it. What's made Andy Reid different in Kansas City than he was in Philadelphia, Bill? You know, I I think that, you know, the first time you're thrown into that position, there's a learning curve. Uh, And, look, he he won a heck of a lot of games there, obviously. over his time in Philadelphia. Uh, but, I, you know, he got to do things his way when he came to Kansas City. Um, they were at a place Kansas City was really in, in the dumps when, when he got here and took over the job. And he got to, he got to put his people in place and, and operate not just the coaching side of it, but all of it collectively. Get his guys under him, form a team, uh, structure a team, draft a team, understanding all the ins and outs of everything that he learned in Philadelphia over time, and he applied it. I also think you know, on-field stuff, you know, Andy always believed that his offense, the way he did things from Bill Walsh and Mike Holmgren, that it didn't matter who played the wide receiver positions at that time in the game, that this offense would, would get the ball to open people. I now think he thinks a little bit different about it. I, I think he understands that the game now is that the speed at wide receiver, you have to have those guys to stretch the field vertically and horizontally. You know, Bill, I, 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 wonder, I wonder if it's because there's less guardrails. And I think what you, you addressed there when you said he got to do things his way. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Made it easier for him not to waste idle time because, as you know, when you're in Philadelphia, you got to go through the general manager. You've got to go through Howie Roseman. You've got to go through Joe Banner. Then they take it upstairs. And it's like working for Ford Motor Company. I mean, there's every floor you've got to go through a, a conference meeting. After they got rid of John Dorsey in Kansas City, it just seems to me that the organization just it, – it, it seemed to run smoother. John's a great personnel guy. Yeah. But John's got his way about rubbing people the wrong way. I mean, if you've ever been in a room with him, I know you have, he's a rough dude to get around. I mean, and I think they kind of maybe collided a bit. It just seems to me that Andy now, hey, Tyreek, we can't afford you, man. It's just what it is. And for him to go to Patrick Mahomes, Bill, and go like this, I mean, if I'm Mahomes, Bill, I got to go, hey, man, you took the best deep threat in the history of the league away from me? How's this offense going to look? And Andy looks at him and goes, trust me, I got you. He breaks the season single record. He throws for 40 touchdowns. This guy's got the trust of that organization and Clark Hunt. I would think like no other guy. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Going back to, to Dorsey and Dorsey remember was the general manager who, who, who got Mahomes. Right. He knows personnel. He doesn't know salary cap. The salary cap was all kinds of messed up. And, you know, this league is about salary cap as much as anything else. It creates windows, especially when you have star players making big big salaries so you have to be able to structure a team around that and you know they've been able to do that look they went to tampa bay and got their butts handed to them by tampa's defense the offensive line couldn't handle it they go out in one off season and totally correct the offensive line fix it overnight and that doesn't happen it just it's not just the offensive line positions it's just it's tough to do to go say identify a problem or weakness and then come in and say, okay, we're going to fix it. And this is how we're going to fix it. They did. They got three all pros on that line. Now uh, this past off season, they used those draft choices to overhaul a complete secondary that had what four rookies playing in it in the AFC championship game that showed up and showed out. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, hats off to the way that, Brett Veach and, and Andy go about that and the job that they do as an organization from top to bottom. You know, I, I, I ask people this question all the time, and I think the Eagles are going to get into this position that the Kansas City Chiefs are in and why you have to let a guy like Tyree Kill go. But, Bill, this, this Eagle team, the only reason they're in the Super Bowl is because Hurts played exceptional all year. However, he's making $1.3 million. And when you are able to make $1.3 million and take advantage of that, you can go get Sue and Joseph. You can go get Hassan Reddick. You can sign A.J. Brown to a $25 million contract. When you start paying that dude, you ain't you don't have that latitude to do that. Would you rather build a team like Howie Roseman and in, in, uh, Philadelphia is built, not paying the quarterback? Or would you rather have the $50 million quarterback and not – I mean, look, the running game is suspect – um, like you said, you got two corners that are rookie starting for you in the Super Bowl. I mean, Chris Jones is great. Travis Kelsey's great. But when you can't keep guys, if you don't have Mahomes, I don't know, man. What would you rather – what kind of team would you want to build? You know, I, I think that people are going to take a page out of the way that Kansas City 
has structured this team. Um, look, they're paying the guy half a billion dollars. He's got that contract. Now they have to find a ways to to give him a supporting cast, both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, and it's hard. So you have to do that. You have to know that you have to hit on your draft choices. There's really a minimal amount of of error can be made on on your draft choices. Because look at look at the Bengals, right? I mean, all those guys are on rookie contracts. When they come up, they're going to have to part ways. They can't keep that trio of wide receivers together with their quarterback and with their defensive players and with their two running backs. I mean, it, you have that window with the salary cap that allows you the affordability with rookie contracts to when you hit a big player, you got to ride it and you, you got to do the best you can. Then when you have to sign him to a long-term deal, you just don't give up. You just have to find ways through the draft to get the young guys and make them work. Tell me about Chris Jones. I mean, I watch him this year. He's the best defensive tackle. The kid in Philadelphia, too. Bill, if you get a chance to watch the yeah. 22, you watch yeah. his kid Hardgrave, man. 11 sacks he had this year. I mean, he's a run stopper, man. He's he, he can get up the field, too. He gives you internal pressure. But Chris Jones is just – he's taking over for Aaron Donald. Just give me your assessment having played the position on what makes him so formidable. Yeah, so the guy is is explosive – strong, elusive, very quick twitch muscles with his get-off and his hands. He's able to – I thought at times uh, throughout his early five, six years, he, he, he would stand up too high. His pad level was really high. And sometimes he, he could get a, a pass rush, and sometimes he'd just stand there and mush around. Joe Cullen came on board as a defensive line coach and got him playing his pad level down a little bit lower. Uh, it's been very beneficial to him this year. But that quick twitch muscle he has, Dan, I mean, he gets into double teams and he can split guys with his hands and he can his torso, he can turn his shoulders to the sidelines and still move upfield to split those double teams he's getting. And you watch him play and watch his handwork. It, it's, it's really amazing. And to be able to do that at that position, as you know, uh, there's only a handful of guys. And to be a defensive player of the year, which I think he should be, um, and play the defensive tackle position, not the defensive end position, the defensive tackle position, there's only a few handful of guys in, in the NFL, history of the NFL, that have been able to do that. Uh, and and they are, you know, they're, they're in Canton. And I, I think he will be too. 15 sacks from the DT position is not like the end getting 15 sacks, your internal pressure, getting something like that. I mean, that's just absolutely special. Bill, when you, when, when you look at how they're going to approach this game here, um, I mean, do you, give me, give me your sense of how you see this thing playing out here. Eagles and Kansas city. How do you see this thing playing out here? You know, as I look at it, just, you know, watching both teams throughout the course of the entire year. And I was watching Philly. I, I, I see a team in Philadelphia that, defensively they are they are strong at the line of scrimmage their front seven is really good um they covers up some of the weakness they have on the on the backside uh, but they're they're disruptive they, they obviously with the number of sacks they had they show that what they can do there on that aspect of it uh offensive line too you know one of the best in the league hands down uh but the biggest thing is is you know th that zone run they have that zone option that that option is led a, by Kelsey. 
and 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 he runs it really good. God, he runs it so good. Uh, you, as a defender, everything you're taught, Dan. You know everything you're taught how to read blocks. The, it uses it against you. So what you you could never really be right because whatever you read, whatever you sell yourself to, they're going to do the opposite. And so that's what makes it really, really challenging. Um, you know, a football aficionado will, will go back and, and think about the triple option that they used to run in college. And it's similar to that. It, 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 it's what it is. It's putting a defensive line on, on an island and making them commit. And whatever they commit to, they, they go the other way. So that's it's very challenging. And Hertz runs it as good as anybody I've ever seen run it. And to, to me, that's going to be a big, big challenge. Uh, for the, the the Chiefs defense, about tell you, man, that guy, he's he he slips and scoops at the yeah. center position. You know, Bruce Matthews and you know guys we know, Don Mosbar, those were big guys that could kind of get up the field. They were lanky, they were long, and you know Ray Donaldson too, another one of them dudes that could do shit like that. But man, this guy, he's not a big dude. He slips and scoops, and like you said, it's on the back. This is what makes it so difficult. He gets in front of you, and it's the back's responsibility to read where he is. I mean, it's by design that he dictates the play. Yeah. And like you said, you could play your you could play your read, right, Bill? Perfectly. That guy's still there. It's up to the back to run behind him. I mean, it's almost undefensible if you're a defensive guy. And that means this, that most linebackers are going to have to really play well in Kansas City, I think, to try to stop that. Do they have that kind of personnel to stop that? Yeah, so what what you have to do it's it's really tough, but you got to call what we call slow play it. We got to just slow play. You don't you don't really commit to to one side or the other. You you get your hands on and get it locked out, and you kind of try to stall as long as you can to to kind of like a mud puddle. Just a you're just caught in there, just lagging around in there to just keep congestion in the area of the running lanes. Um, and but when you do that, right? it completely takes away your pass rush. So, you know, that's that's the challenge that this offense, what what happens in there, you get caught in looking at stuff and reading it, and you're not being explosive. You're not coming off the ball. You're not just penetrating, trying to blow things up. And it'll be interesting to see how Chris Jones and company handle it. Oh, Bill, finally here. Um, and one of the things that Hurts did, he didn't play well at all in the NFC title game, but they really didn't have to after Purdy got hurt. But I'll tell you what he does on the RPO. You know, Fred Warner was sitting there, and he'll sit there, Bill, and he'll freeze them. You know what I mean? He freezes them in there, and you turn a 4-5 guy into a 4-8 guy, and he's late on tackle. So what you're saying about that zone blocking and Jalen sitting there and looking at the backer and making him slow play the play, he's going to always be chasing when he does right. that, and that's been a key all year to how they've been a dominant run team. Yeah, and that's that's what makes it so hard. The defense you're using to try to slow it down, to put yourself in a position to actually make a play, actually paralyzes you to make a play. So that's that's the tough part of it. So it'll be interesting to see. On the other side of it, too, let me tell you this. I don't think I don't think Philadelphia's defense have seen the likes of, of Patrick Mahomes all year in their conference. Absolutely not. And in their division. That's been my criticism, Bill. My criticism has been this. David Mills, Kenny Pickett, um, you know, Cooper Rush. They really haven't played 
a bona fide guy. And I'll put a point here to you, what you're saying here. Since week 11, they've averaged, most of them have averaged quarterbacks, 74% completion percentage. If you give Patrick Mahomes 74% or higher completion percentage with Kelsey and the Eagles struggle covering tight ends and backs out of the backfield, that's their weakness. That's the equalizer. Yeah. I do. So, you know, I, I think that both defenses are going to have their challenge with these offenses. I mean, look, they're two number one seeds and uh, yeah. heck of a game, right? Absolutely. Bill, thank you so much, brother. Yeah, you talk. know, I'm one of your boys always, man. I know, man. Good seeing you, brother. You got it, man. The legendary Bill Moss from the Kansas City Chiefs, former Rookie of the Year and also an ambassador there with the football team. Uh, it's just such a great community. I want to continue what we were talking about there. And, you know, I said something to you guys yesterday about we're going to continue the cap. I'm playing. We're we're all playing general manager here. We're going to go back over, reset everything here. Um, That's the one thing that has been so successful this year with the Eagles and their run game. Guys, let me tell you this. I went back and watched that game. I must have watched that game, that NFC championship game twice. And I wanted to see what the other intangibles that Jalen Hurts brought to the table. There is no question. He did not throw the ball well. He didn't really run the ball that hot. Okay? It was his worst game of the year. They didn't have to play great. And I'm saying it because he's injured. But I'll tell you what he does do. Kelsey and Sayamalo and Dickerson, when they run that triangle in there, and they get up on those – Dude, you are going against the best linebacker, I think, in the NFL this year. And Fred Warner. And Jason Kelsey was slipping and scooping off of Armstead up to the linebacker, and it was because of Hertz. Hertz was freezing the guy with that RPO. Go back and watch just a couple of the, of the plays. Jalen, he's so freaking smart. I mean, he is so smart of a player, man. He is really a smart ball player. Slides, gets down. This is why he may, listen, he may overcome all that stuff with being dual threat, but he is so freaking smart. He freezes every big-time linebacker. This is why Parsons is a non-factor. He's a non-factor every time they play him. But I'll tell you, again, what the 49ers did in the first half, they stuffed that run because you know why? They weren't worn out yet. The Eagles couldn't get out wide. I'm going to tell you something else I watched. Here's something else to keep an eye on, too, in the Super Bowl. They couldn't get wide. Boza was playing um, the wide really well. And he almost sacked Hurts for a safety. I mean, they couldn't get out. And, of course, the bonehead play calling of Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan completely got his ass out coached. But you watch Jalen freeze Fred Warner. And he must have did it 10 times. He must have froze him 10 times. And he is elite. He's a 4-5 guy. A 4-5 dude, man. And he is elite. Elite. And he, they, they turned him into a 4-8 linebacker. That was the key. I'm going to tell you what I thought they ended up. I'm going to show you how the Eagles outcoach Kyle Shanahan. You know, in the first part of the game, in the first half, if you watch, they're trying to get out wide with Sanders. Sanders doesn't have the speed. Gainwell does. Gainwell was getting out wide, 
And once they started getting that scoop and slipping going, and they started getting that zone read or that zone blocking going, and they were blowing the 49ers off the they were blowing the 49ers off the ball because Jalen Hurts was freezing the backer. Those holes were gaping wide open because it really hurts in how he froze every linebacker. They slowed down the game so much for San Francisco. They didn't have exceptional numbers. Look at it, 239, okay, 269 with the gimme 30-yard pass, which, again, Shanahan completely was a buffoon on. But they – how about this? One thing about the quarterback, there's no way Patrick Mahomes has more intellect than the quarterback in Philadelphia. He runs his system to a T. I think there's a lot of playground in Kansas City. Not saying it's bad. They won just as many ball games as the Eagles have won. But I think there's less guardrails for him to do his creativity. Jalen stays in a structure of what that thing does for his skill set. He's not going to do stupid shit, man. Jalen's not going to throw the ball 75 yards down the field, even though he knows the quarterback's out, because you know what? They're going to wear you out, and they're going to be patient. He's a patient player. I think Mahomes sometimes is not patient. He'll make the interception. He'll have the high percentage turnover play. Hurts, the one thing he does better than Mahomes, he will not give you the high percentage turnover play. He will not. And personally, I said, here's the game. If the Eagles can't cover Travis Kelsey, that keeps them in it. But if Kansas City can't stop the run and they can't get a running game, somewhat of a running game, Going against the Eagles, 31-10. I don't see it. I mean, I just – Kelsey Kelsey is an e- – Philly doesn't have anybody to cover Kelsey. You don't, they don't have anybody. Then again, a lot of people in the league don't have anybody that can cover that guy. And you got the best quarterback in the NFL right now throwing it to him. So you get the best tight end, the best running back, and you got the worst cover linebackers in the league. You're going to have to get pressure. Reddick is going to have to be a force. And by the way, don't bring blitzes. Depending on if Mahomes in his injury, test him out, move him around, see what he is like. But if Mahomes is healthy and you blitz him and Kelsey's running up the seam and White or TJ are covering him, he's going to take it to the house. He'll take it to the house, man. Edwards is not good at covering. Even Seth Joyner says he struggled all year long okay all year long okay all year long look at look at brian just like kittle they didn't have a quarterback in san francisco to throw him the ball they were using christian mccaffrey dude this is patrick mahomes not a running back playing quarterback the talent level's a little different don't you think Oh, we're going to do the same thing to Kittle that we did to Kelsey. Dude, you got Patrick Mahomes versus Christian McCaffrey at quarterback. That's a little different. <laughs> Thank you, Bri. I mean, you got a one-armed Purdy. Even Tony Bruno, man, I never really thought about that, but the 49ers have put him back in the game, and he's out six months. He should have been in a hospital getting an MRI. They put his ass back out there. Kyle Shanahan. Where's the NFL Players Association? You put an injured player back out there? You know, this is not just about concussions. 
okay? It's not just about concussions. You put a hurt play. So it comes back. He's out six months. And he needs surgery. And the 49ers put him back out there. You think that's player safety? You may have ruined his career. You may have, you may have ruined his career. Kyle Shanahan may have ruined his career in an no-win situation because Kyle Shanahan has so much pressure on him because he shits the bed in big games. Tell you this, Kyle Shanahan is turning out to be, in my opinion, the modern-day Marty Schottenheimer. I mean, is Kyle Shanahan not the modern-day Marty Schottenheimer? Right? Listen to this. Sean Payton just accepted the Broncos job. Broncos are sending a 2023 first-round pick and a 2024 second-round pick to the Saints for Payton. I told you they'd do that. I think they could have probably got more if he went to Houston, okay? So he's going there to coach Russell Wilson. Dude, if Sean Payton can't turn Russell Wilson around, okay, he can't turn Russell Wilson around, the Broncos are dead for 10 years. They have no picks, no quarterback. Their defense is good, too. But someone's going to have to tell me and show me that Sean Payton's a good coach. Hey, you got Drew Brees. That's like telling me that Phil Jackson is some sort of brilliant strategy guy. He was a psychologist. <clears throat> Phil Jackson was a psychologist. Tex Ram and Clemens that were his assistant coaches, they were the diagram drawers for plays. One was a defensive guru, and Tex was the offense. Tex was the offense because he's the guy that turned the triangle around. The triangle was built for the big man on the box. It wasn't built for a point guard like Jordan. He turned it around. It was Tex's idea to put the triangle in. And it was Clements who was the defensive guy. Phil was no guru at putting together a, a game plan. The Texans hire D'Amico Ryans, gave him a six-year contract, he probably demanded it. You're not going to use me like you use David Culley. You're not going to use me like you use Lovey Smith. <sighs> you know what sucks too, man, about that organization? It's just a shit stain organization. And I know he played there. There's probably some love there. They love him. He's a Texan. I get it. But shit, man. Why do all the black coaches have to take the shittiest jobs on the planet? Just makes no sense. Even in college. If you're a black African-American assistant coach, you always get the University of Buffalo. You never get Tennessee. You know what I mean? You never get LSU. I'm so happy Notre Dame did that. They hired Freeman. He's a great coach. After losing to Marshall, he turned that season around. Just needed a little bit of love and a little bit of patience. But nobody has patience with black coaches, especially at the college ranks. Black coaches always get to – and by the way, can I ask you something else, one last thing here? And I'm not going to make this a race issue. Hey, wouldn't that Rooney rule kick in for the Chargers to sign Kellen Moore? Did you interview black assistant coaches for that OC job? Just asking. 
I didn't hear any black OCs interviewing for that job. Kellen Moore got that job eight hours, shit, four hours after he left and was fired or parted ways with Dallas. He got that job. How in the world are you supposed to enforce or think the Rooney rule is something when Kellen Moore gets that job four hours after he leaves Dallas as the OC? Not one black guy interviewed for that job. The Rooney rule is code for affirmative action. Man, if I was a black assistant coach, don't have me come in and interview if you're not serious and you're just using me for window dressing because it's unbecoming and I'm not any part of it. Okay? Rooney rule's a joke for black coaches. How the hell are you supposed to get ahead? How are you supposed to develop black coaches in the NFL? How are you supposed to develop black coaches in the NFL when you're constantly giving offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators the job without even interviewing anybody else to see if the quality guy and what, you know what you turn this into, you turn it into a race conversation because I've told you guys this before. Hey man, I don't want a black coach as my coach. I want the right coach, but because the, the Rooney rule is so pathetic, you have to make it race. You have to. Ryan's is the right coach. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to play for him. Look up 49ers play defense. I love the guy. I think he's going to make an impact. But Kellen Moore's story, and you notice how it just got glossed over. Nobody said anything about it because it was an assistant's job. Well, how the hell do you think these assistants propelled themselves into getting an opportunity being a head coach? I mean, Eric Bieniemy, and get this, Eric Bieniemy has to leave Kansas City because you know why? Andy Reid's holding him back. Because Andy Reid doesn't really allow him to be the OC. He's got to go to a place like Baltimore and win. Kellen Moore, what's he won? He's white. And he was with the Cowboys. The Cowboys? Someone click me and someone pinch me here and tell me what they've won in the last 30 years. I don't get it. I don't get it. And I don't mean to go on these tan tantrums here, but I'm sick of talking about black coaches having to do it better every single time more than white coaches. I'm sick of it. You know, the one thing I've always done on my show, I've covered race, politics, and religion. And people take always 5% of what I say, and I know that I've screwed up and said some stupid shit too. But you can always know this. I've been a proponent of African-American coaches getting opportunities, and college football. Get this, there's 139 Division I college football programs. Do you know how many black coaches we have in it? Ten. 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 Out of almost 140 Division I schools. Ten. Come on, man. Things got to change but they will never college presidents and alumni, especially in the South. Yeah. Right. Black coach at Alabama. Wake me up when that happens. Okay. Deion Sanders should have been the head coach at Auburn, not Colorado. Deion had to go to Colorado, not Auburn. (laughs) Who'd they hire at Auburn? Oh, that's right. A guy who was chasing whores in Hugh Freeze. I forgot. That's right. Guy who was using 
um, program money to troll hookers and whores and call escorts after a recruiting trip. And they were concerned about Dion with his IMG camp or his school that they had in Florida. But this guy was trolling whores. Deion Sanders at Auburn would have competed with Nick Saban at Alabama. But he's got to go to Colorado and take a shit program like that. Who doesn't even have the money to pay him yet? They're raising money to pay him. Man. So you just there, there's a great example right there, man. Okay? Doesn't make sense. <laughs> Learned it from Rick Pitino. You imagine if that was a black coach at uh, Louisville that did that? The word is Broncos wanted D'Amico Ryans and Peyton was the second choice, but in the midst of that tried to sneak Harbaugh through the back door to see if he wanted the job. Yeah, and Ryans, I heard, went like this. I have no interest in that job. Let me know when you get your shit together. It's kind of what I heard. He, he, didn't, he doesn't think the Broncos have their shit together. And get this. You want to hear this? Hey, Tone, you ready? Um, he didn't want to coach uh, Russell Wilson. Okay, he didn't want to coach Russell Wilson. Okay. Right? I'll always know this, my friend. I've been talking about the injustice of black college and pro coaches for 32 years of my career. You can always do that. I'm going to reset because we kind of got sidetracked a little bit with Bill Moss. Love Billy was great. I want to go through the salary cap again, and we're going to start over again because we'll have a full hour to do this, and we'll go back over it again. So please do me a favor, guys. Please hit the like button. I want you guys to play Eagle General Manager. What, what, what is Howie going to do? Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. 
the best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, owner appreciation event. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team in town. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Don't ever tell me that the Pro Bowl matters any longer. Hurts made a Pro Bowl. So did Tyler Hundley. You, you, you diminish Jalen's work for being a Pro Bowler by putting... Look, he's not a stiff. But he's completely unworthy of being in the Pro Bowl and you diminish a person's Great season by putting a guy who had two touchdown passes in the game. Okay? I mean, I like Tyler Hundley. I think he's a good ball player. But a pro bowler? Dude, you don't really have to be very good nowadays to get to the pro bowl, do you? Dude, yeah, dog, you, it's always been a – the game has sucked, but getting there has been hard. Trev, thanks for coming aboard, brother. Way to go, man. Dude, crazy. You put Tyler Hunley in? You make you make you make Jalen Hurts' Pro Bowl look stupid. So Tyler Hunley's a Pro Bowler? Because five years from now, people are gonna go, hey, Tyler Hunley made the Pro Bowl, man. Must be a good ball player. Hurts made it. You diminish everyone else's hard work. Guy's not in his class right now. He's a good ball player. Don't get me wrong. The dude, Aaron Donald. This guy missed seven games. Made the Pro Bowl. What a joke, man. Dude, seriously. I have no interest in watching that skill thing next weekend. Or this weekend. I have no interest in it. I will not watch and be a supported thing for that thing. I I would rather watch the NHL All-Star game. Don't watch that bullshit. At least those guys care. And they care who makes the all-star game. I mean, holy cow. 
I mean, dude, Tyler Hunley? And dude, nothing against Tyler Hunley. The person who put Tyler Hunley in should be questioned at best. Yeah, really, watch this. Nick, dude, Tyler Heineke had a... I mean, right? Dude, I mean, why don't you just put Zach Wilson in? Oh, maybe that's a reach. (laughs) Reset and please hit the like button here. I appreciate everybody coming aboard. I liked what uh, Bill Moss said in the last hour. Also, Tony Bruno in the first hour. You got to resign Hertz. That's true. Cap numbers came out. Um, By the way, I like the fact that Trevor Lawrence made the Pro Bowl. Trevor Lawrence deserved to make the Pro Bowl. He had a great year. Mac Jones, okay? Could have put Mac in there, Trev. I'm glad to see um, that uh, Doug Peterson got Trevor Lawrence into the Pro Bowl. Remember what we said at the beginning of the year? We said this. Hey, I think Doug Peterson could win that division. And I think Trevor Lawrence might make the Pro Bowl. And I kind of piggybacked off of what Merrill Reese said. But Merrill Reese, he was the first to say it. I kept hammering it away going, you know, I think that could happen. But it was it was Merrill who first said it. Merrill goes like this. I think Doug Peterson's going to be the coach of the year. Watch, Dan. He's going to turn Trevor around. Okay? Okay? Sales, thank you, bro. My, my life has been crazy. This show helps. More than the wife and effing coworkers. Well, that's such a compliment, man. Thank you so much, man. You guys, can I can I can I say something to you guys? I don't think I've ever said this. Hmm. I don't think I've ever said this. I'll say it now. Thank you for saving my career. Thank you. Appreciate it. I mean that. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, trust me. Everyone's afraid of me. Okay? They're all afraid of me. Trev will tell you. They're all afraid of me. Every radio station in the country is afraid of me. Even the ones that disagree with me here. Thank you. Thank you. Even the ones that hate me. Thank you. Let's reset. I never told you guys that. Okay? I thought you should know. Look at real. Sills, we love to hate you. (laughs) Look at vape. What's radio? My wife says that now. (laughs) Uh, Neil goes we break balls but we have to I know I know man I need a hug (laughs) that's so hey Tone is that not Philly right there I need a hug (laughs) hey no 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 one touches the bear (laughs) or no one touches the cells (laughs) hey cells it's a Philly thing yeah, you know who started that thing, man. It's a Canes thing, my friends. Thoughts on Gannon saying he's 
coming back in 23. You guys never thought any of those guys were getting a head coaching job. This is their first year getting in the system. Okay. You missed my a hey, hey, um tone. Jameson uh, said I missed his super chat. Can we look for that, please? I want to make sure anybody who does that, we never pass it by. I see other shows that miss it. And um, that was my that's my fault. Oh, that was it? Okay, yeah, we hit it, brother. Uh, Gannon. So we we hit it. Thank you. Thank you, Tone. Want to make sure we always do that because other shows miss it. We never miss it because you guys spend your money and your time here. That's never going to happen. Seals, I literally look forward to the show every day. Chris, I look forward to you. And all you guys giving me a bunch of shit. <laughs> hey, by the way, can you, can you guys at least... Can I, can I get, since we're, since we're being truthful here, can I tell you why I hate Howie? I kind of, I kind of unzipped my fly a little bit in the last hour. Did you guys happen to hear it or did it go by and no one hear it? Okay. Hey, 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 Trevor, you're going to like this. Why, why do you think I hate Howie Roseman? Did you guys happen to pick it up? Okay, because he's a dickhead. No. <laughs> uh, did you guys happen to hear it a little bit? D, thank you, man. Let's see if Tone heard it. <laughs> I'll send you knee pads in the mail. Thank you, Tone. <laughs> hey, who said it? Jay. Jay was attentively listening. How he's a gator. Do you understand how he's a gator? That's never happening. He's a gator. I, it's in my blood not to like him. Do you understand that? There's not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. Trevor, Howie Roseman's a gator. You want to hear something else? He, he was a roommate of my boy who we've had on here, Jed Fish, who's the head coach of Arizona. They were roommates at, um, at Florida. Okay. He's a gator. <laughs> death match in the swamp? No, nah, Jim. I never had a death match in the swamp because I never lost in the swamp. We beat those sons of bitches every year we played them. How you done? <laughs> every year, Big Sills... Big, well, that's not true. I won't lie. We're, I, I'm one and one against them. We beat them in 85 and beat them in 86 in Florida at the Swamp. Big Seals had two sacks in that game. Almost killed Kerwin Bell. How you doing? <laughs> Here, what game ball? That one right there with the bag. Ten tackles, a sack, six pressures, two fumbles. <laughs> and Jerome, what's this? September 6th, Big Sills, 10 tackles, a sack. How many pressures? Three pressures and a fumble. And Jerome outplayed me. <laughs> and Jerome outplayed me. I mean, right? <laughs> Jerome and Stubbs outplayed me. Oh, Sills, I'm a spurrier. I love the Gators. Maurice! How dare you say you love the Gators? No, Belitnikov was a no. Don't worry. 
The Knowles will always be our stepkids. Big Seals is 2-0 and versus them dudes. Yeah, hey, Neil, I almost killed Kerwin Bell. Ask him. I ruptured his spleen. He couldn't play in the Auburn game the next week. <laughs> I ruptured his spleen. <laughs> I, I stepped on him, and I didn't mean to kick him. Let me reset. I sound like, what's the name of that movie guy? Hey, Trevor, what's the name? Everybody's all American. You know, when the guy's sitting there and he's, he's there at the, uh, he's having a scotch and soda. He's 150 years old. He goes, yeah, back in 1956. I took that ball in the cotton bowl. We had to make it to the sugar bowl. And I took it with one second and old Billy Bob Smith blocked that guy down the sidelines. And I just went in for the score. And dad, you're burning the hamburgers. Hang on. <laughs> Al Bundy. Yeah. Hey, no, no. You know, dad, the hamburgers are burning. Hang on. Yeah. In the sugar bowl, 1959, I went for 142 yards rushing and uh, they couldn't stop me. I got to go now. Cause I got to get the hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> four. <laughs> no, man, that was everybody's all American. I like that movie, actually, man. Uncle Rico. Let's get into this. Let me reset this. Okay, so listen, guys. We did a little bit of this in the last hour. Sills, go. Sills, how good was JB? Charles. Excuse me. When I talk about Jerome Brown, let me show some reverence. Um, how good was how good was JB? He's better than Sap. He was better than Sap. He was better than Warren Sap. However good you think Sap is, okay. Jer- well, Neil Jerome was my best friend. Keith Jackson and Keith Byers love him. But every time he came home to Burksville, he called Big Sills. Hey, wait a minute. Sills, can I treat you to dinner next time you're in Philly? Jameson, that, no, no, Jameson, we'll all go to dinner. Of course, man. Guys, can I? Trev, should I tell the story? So Jerome Brown, some of you know the story. Yeah, I think you do. So I'm with the Bucks. Jerome signs with the Eagles. And we're in the offseason. Sills, come up to Brooksville. I need you. Got a parade going on. And I go like this. It's nothing stupid, right? He goes, no. Of course I know when he goes, ah, with that high, high voice. You know me. Yeah, I know you four years. <laughs> okay? Wait a minute. So I get up, and I love how some people in here, they use the word racist to Sills. This might change your opinion on me. Maybe it won't. I don't know. I've said some stupid shit. I get it. So we eat dinner at Jerome's. Man, Willie Sr. is the coolest person on the planet. Broke my heart when me and Reggie had to go in there and see them after Jerome died. I showed you, like, the cup that, the uh, Browns gave us that Philly cup back there. See it next to the football right there, that Philly cup. 
all of his best friends got cups like that at the funeral. That cup right there. That's a Philly cup from Jerome's family. We all got him. Like 10 of us, I think. We're all like his closest friends. So Jerome calls me up, man. I'm in Brooksville. Next day, there's a parade. I'm like, oh, wow, man. Brooksville has a parade. You know why he wore 98 in college? He wore 98 in college because there's a Highway 98 that goes through Brooksville. Jerome was a redneck. Okay, he was a redneck from Redneckville, Brooksville. And Jerome goes, we, I, I need your help. I see these guys walking down the street in hoods. I go like this, Jerome, are those the freaking clan? What are you doing? You know Hugh Culverhouse is the biggest racist. Yeah, he wore 98 at college, Yale, 99 in Philly. I go, you know my owner, Hugh Culverhouse, the biggest racist on the planet. He sees my, it's in Sports Illustrated. And I'm like, dog, he goes, what? You're not going to help me? I'm like, how many freaking times do we have to do shit like this? Hey, man, when I was at Florida, guess what? He comes, when I was at University of Miami, cops were coming to raid our, Cops were coming to look for weapons and Uzis and guns. So Jerome knocks on the door. I got a little milk carton. He goes, let me put them here. I'm like, no, they, they're going to think they're mine. They're going to throw me in jail. So Jerome's sitting there. Cop goes like this. He opens up. the. Remember those old milk containers that the milk came and delivered? The cop looks at it and goes, oh, 44, 45, an Uzi. Oh, look at that. Numchucks? Is that brass knuckles? I looked like this. He goes, Are these yours? I went. I looked at Jerome Drunk was another mine. And I'm, they cuffed him. And they didn't take him down because I said, Listen, man. He goes, You can't take him down. Jimmy came over. Oh my God. So here I am. Okay. Here I am at a clan rally breaking it up. Jerome went right in the middle. You want to hear something? Jerome convinced those people not to rally. And he drank beers with them. And everybody was kumbaya after that. I'm looking around going, you know what? People are taking pictures of this. They're going to see me and you, two NFL guys, sitting at a Klan rally drinking beers with these guys. What do you think they're going to freaking think of us? He goes, that we stood up for my community. He goes, right? And I go, shut up. <laughs> Man, I love that dude. I did a lot of crazy shit with that guy. Walked off the airplane in camouflage pants. We had real guns. <laughs> you couldn't do this today, obviously. But we had like fake grenades that you got at those um, Army-Navy stores. Like weapons. I, I walked off the airplane in full camouflage. Eye black and everything. Jerome and I are walking off, man. Like, oh, it's... <laughs> he did... I, I showed up at a at a press conference once with a Hell's Angels jacket on. So did Jerome. Oh my God! And I looked at Jerome and I go, "Well, you're the only brother I've ever seen in the Hell's Angels." <laughs> dude, he's a wild dude, man. Do you know every time you know the old vet? You guys know that old vet had that parking lot. You know that parking lot at the, well, you still got it there now, right? 
Like where Wells, hey, is where Wells Fargo is, is that where the vet used to be? Where where the uh, Wells Fargo is? Because on that lot you got you got you got the link and you got Wells Fargo right next door. Is that where the is that where the link was? Where Wells Fargo is today? Right or or is it north of that on the other side? Because I think the parking lot, right? The park, the old parking. I mean, the new parking lot is where the vet was. I thought. Um. The vet was still there. Here, so check it out. Well, the the, the vet was right in that parking lot, though, right? Oh, why? So I'm wrong then. Okay, okay. So anyway, so check it out. Oh no, the other side. All right. Thanks for the context. Thank you. Okay. So, so, hey, so check it out. So, Jeff Fisher, who was the D-line coach of the Eagles back in, you know, Jeff Fisher was the D-line coach in Philly. Seals, you're invited to a barbecue, fam. Give you gumbo. Dude, I'll take the barbecue, bro. I'm in, Quan. Dude, you can, hey, hey, Quan, I first got down to Miami. So, Jerome goes like this to me, dude. Watch this. Jerome goes like this. Come with me, man. Make sure you put your uniform on. And I go like this. Why am I putting my uniform on? And he goes, you're going into the hood. I go, I'm Italian, man. I ain't white. And he goes, do me a favor. Put the damn jersey on. So I, I meet Luther Campbell for the first time. So we walk into this soul food place. And I go like this. Man, I ain't never had any of this shit. Dude, I'm Italian. I eat seafood and Italian food, man. I've never been to a Mc... I hadn't been to a McDonald's. Okay, I only ate my family's food. So Jerome goes, man, we're going to Overtown. Then we're going to go to Liberty City. And I said, I never heard of these places. I didn't know who to, what the hell it was. So we go in there, and there's Luther Campbell, who we're boys today, man. I love Luther. He's my Uncle Luke. And Jerome goes, why don't you order something? I said, give me a Pepsi, man. I don't know this shit. He goes, let me get you some things. All of a sudden, all these Chinese boxes, all these Chinese boxes filled with shit, like gizzards and a lot of green shit and all this other stuff, pork rinds and whatever, man. Dude, I started eating this shit. He goes, you like them stuffed intestines, don't you? Man, they stunk like hell. And I'm like, yeah, these things are a little greasy. But I'm like, these things are awesome, man. So I'm eating the shit out of this stuff. Well, they go like this. You know that's that's stuffed intestines from a pig, right? I said, man. See, big seals don't like hot dogs. Assholes and lips. That ain't me, man. <laughs> big seals don't eat assholes and lips, man. I ain't hot dog. I don't like. I mean, when I found out what a hot dog was, okay, man. I was like, I don't know, man. I'll tell you, Quan. So, like. Derwin Jones's mom, she used to bring all like the greens down and stuff, man. My wife loves that stuff. All the collard greens and shit. My daughter loves it. My daughter, my wife, because she knew all of my friends from the University of Miami, they made all the Southern food. That's how my wife got hooked on it, man. She loves all that stuff. My wife's from Texas. All that so full, man. Crazy. All because of Jerome. Man. You know, the greatest education I ever got in my life, okay, the greatest education I ever got in my life was being a roommate with Jerome Brown. It's the greatest education. 
white kid from the Cove or kind kid from the Cove in Stanford. Didn't have a lot of black people in my high school, my Catholic high school. I get down to Miami and Jimmy Johnson goes, here's my roommates, Daryl Fullington, Jerome Brown, Winston Moss, and Donnie Ellis. So there's three black guys and me in there. And I'm like, I go up to Jimmy Johnson. I go, hey, Jimmy, you know, I mean, he goes, what? I don't mean, I'm, you know, he goes, but you got a problem being with black guys? I go, no. I, he goes, well, then what are you here for? I go, nothing. Sure enough, Jerome gets word of it. Silio, <laughs> get out here. So I, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I get out there. Jerome makes me cut their hair for six months. Because I, and I, he, he looked at me and finally after six months, he goes, I, now you're like, you're like one of the brothers now, Cilio. She, your hair's curlier than ours. And I looked and, and, and I'm looking at him going, it was just the greatest experience of my life being with him and all them teammates of mine. It was just tremendous. And I'm friends with every one of them today. They're my brothers for life. It's a Canes thing. You wouldn't understand it. It will always be that. It's a Canes thing. That's what a Canes thing is. Okay? That's a Canes thing. Finally, let's reset. The numbers have come out. We kind of did a little bit, but I want to reset here. Here are the numbers for the salary cap at $244.8 million. Quarterback 32-1, running back 10, wide receiver 19-7, tight end 11-3. I thought that number would be higher. O-line 18-4, both tackles on the Eagles make that money. DE 19-7. DT 18-9, linebacker 20.9, cornerback 18-1, safety 14-4, okay? Um, hey, JW, I don't really care what you think. That doesn't bother me anymore. Used to about five years ago. I don't care what you think of me. You don't know me from a can of paint, dude. You can pretend you know me. But you don't. So when you call me that, how would you know? You've never met me. You don't know my friends. You don't know anything about me. But yet you called people that. You're a low-thinking, low-browed person who does shit like that. Because I would never call somebody that. That's a you thing, brother. You need some help. So let's get over the roster here. Let's go back. Jim, thank you. Guys, we all agree, right? Fletcher Cox, he's gone, 14-4. By the way, I'm going to add the money up, okay? Um, JW, I don't have black friends. I have friends. I don't do what you do. I don't have black friends. I have friends. You see? Some people have black friends and white friends. I have friends. I don't put a label on them. 
So 14 million will be will be added to the will be added to it, right? Toss that hat. Hey Gator, never will I toss the hat. Hmm. Okay. Robert Quinn, don't have to worry about him. What do you do with Brandy Graham? Guys, what do you do with Brandy Graham? You're my friend still sometimes, Howie. That's so appropriate. <laughs> hey, hey, Howie. That's so appropriate, okay? Thank you, Quan. Appreciate it, dude. You guys are great. Hey, what do you do? He stays. Wait a minute now. He's 13.3. Wait a minute, Forte. He's 13.3 at 35. They're not keeping him at that number. He's a team guy. He can get paid for a limited role. Dude, you're not going to pay Brandon Graham $13 million when you got a back end you have, to, you have to address. So here, watch this. Could you see the Eagles giving him a $5 million deal to come back one more season? And him, they loading it up on, on like, on, in like um, wait a minute now, before you say goodbye to him, wouldn't you at least do this because he's been such a major part of the team? Would he offer him five years, three year, three million in guarantees to come back one more season? Dude, he had double-digit sacks. He had a really good year. It's not like he's a bum. Wouldn't you? Uh, GT, wouldn't you? I would do that. Dude, he had 10 sacks. Right? He had 10 sacks. Dude, here's $5 million. You're no longer a $13 million guy. We'll put $3 million in incentives, and we'll pay you per sack. I want to pay you. How about this? I want to pay you. Right? I want to pay him. I, w- I want to pay him. But not 13. So let's say this. We're going to take him off the list because we're not going to pay him 13. But don't be shocked if they offer him something that he'll accept. I could see him back on the team. 10 million a sack? I don't think they'll go there. <laughs> hey, Yale, I don't think they're going there, but. Okay. Hardgrave is going to be a problem. And get this, Hardgrave is going to be close to market value. And market value for a defensive tackle is 18.9 million bucks. 11 sacks, and he's 29. You got to resign him. Now watch this, guys. That's 18.9. And what are the Eagles on the salary cap? What is it, 7 million? Remember this, 7 million. Right now, you're under the cap. Okay, you're seven million, and we haven't even we're not, we're not going to address Jalen until the very last conversation. He'll sign everyone. Well, then you ain't signing your quarterback. So there's eighteen point nine for Javon Hardgrave, and I think you pay him. Jason Kelsey, you guys all agree? I think so too. He was spectacular in the 49er game. He was so good in the Niner game. I, I bring him back at $9 million. Okay, I bring him back. I mean, he's 35. He's a Hall of Famer. And there's been no drop-off. 
He crushed the 49ers defensive tackles. He was so awesome. Okay? No, man, I'm not going to make a financial deal with him. He earned it, man. Look, the offense didn't play very well. The line did, especially in the second half. And you know what, guys? I know some of you think that I keep saying that the offense sucked. It did. Because you know why? So you got two 1,000-yard wide receivers, and you got a, a tight end who's one of the best in the game, and you decided not to use them. Why? Because the 49ers did a great job stopping the passing game. And Jalen's hurt. Those two things played a – I think more so Jalen's hurt, the overthrow. I thought – get this. I'll tell you what I think. Maybe this is more so than maybe what the 49ers did. Do you guys think that Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni saw that Jalen Hurts wasn't accurate in the first? I never thought about this, guys. Think about this. You think with all those overthrows in the first half, they saw he wasn't accurate, and they decided to stay away from the high-percentage turnover play when they didn't need to because the opposing quarterback was already out of the game. They just went like this. We're going to be patient and run the ball. There's no need to throw it. He's hurt. And why, why bring the Niners back into it? It's, I think it's more so. Watch this. The Niner corners played well, but Hurts is hurt. Jalen's hurt. I, it, Mercy goes, it affected his release. I think it affected his accuracy. Because he was over, dude. He had AJ wide open, wide open. He could have, he could have punted it to him, and he would have caught it. Maybe that's more the truth than what the Niners did. Is that the coaching staff went? There's no sense of throwing the ball down the field. They have no signal caller. We're gonna win this game. Let's not give them the opportunity to stay in the game. Pretty smart coaching. Kyle Shanahan got outcoached by Nick Sirianni. There is no getting around that. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah, they had to look at the overthrows and underthrows. Okay, they had to. They had to look at that and go, why? Especially when Purdy went out. Especially when Purdy went out. Too much credit, Stanley? I don't know, man. Kyle Shanahan is now turning into the modern-day Marty Schottenheimer. Okay? Let's go here now. Here's another one. James Bradbury. Wow. He makes 7.2 base salary. He's 29. And corners, the market's 18-1. He's going to get all of that. He's going to get $18 million. He's going to get an $18 million. Between $17 and $18 million a year. Three-year contract. Do you assign him? See, to me, I said this in the last hour before Bill came on. Man, I think they got to move off of Slay. I want to keep him and move Slay. I want to move Slay. What's what's Slay's salary in 2000? Watch this. I think this is how, how we can move this around. I think this is a good exercise because we get a chance to see maybe what Howie's thinking. What's Darius Slay's 2023 base salary Eagles? 
okay, he's 17 million. You can cover. You can cover. Slays do 17 million. So think about this, Tone. You can you can keep Bradbury by moving Slay. And only have to pay one of them and draft a corner on the other side. And here, let me, let me, maybe you move CJ to his natural position. Let me get to that here. So you do, do you keep and slice 32? I don't think he played a good second half of the season. Yeah, yeah, Slay made 17 million. He don't look like a $17 million DB right now. Okay. He don't look – hey, by the way, you don't think there's going to be an open market for Darius Slay coming off a of Pro Bowl, trading a Pro Bowl guy? You got a wealth of secondary guys. Okay? I don't think I don't think Darius Slay's played well in the second half of the season. So I, I'm drafting a corner moving him because I want to keep Bradbury. Yeah, there's no better time to trade Slay than now is what Tone's saying. I think so, too. Being a little bit like the Patriots. Isaac Sayamalo, 5.3 million. He's 29. Man, that's awful young for a really talented offensive lineman. And by the way, there'll be a massive market for him. Um, O-line, 18.4. He's not going to get 18.4, but he'll get 15. He'll get $15 million because how many shitty old lines have we seen in the NFL this year? 20? He'll start everywhere else in the NFL except, no, dude. If you started, if you're starting for the Eagles and that old line, you could start anywhere in the NFL. You don't think Dallas would like to have him? He's going to have a massive market and he's going to get 15. How he's not paying 15 for him? Because that would mean this. You're paying, say, Amalo 17, and you're playing Lane 18. You're going to turn around and pay, um, say, Amalo 15, and you're going to pay your center 10? Bro, it's not feasible. It's not feasible. So, say, Amalo's gone. There's a starter gone. Fletcher's a starter. He's gone. Andre Dillard, get him out of there. Draft a guy in the second round. Shit, Jack Driscoll's more responsible and more reliable than he is. He may not be as talented, Driscoll, as Dillard, but I can't rely on Dillard. My opinion, Dillard's a bust. For where he was drafted, he's not making a ton. He's $3 million. It's a rookie deal. He's 27. He's going to start somewhere in the NFL. But I, 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 I don't like the player. I don't like the player. Okay? I don't I don't like the player. What do you do with Kaiser White? 3.0 million dollars outside linebacker, 26 26. Now let me ask you guys this. Are you sure that Kobe Dean could take his place? I'm not. I have not seen one thing that makes me think that no, no Kobe Dean could play in the NFL. And I can hear somebody going like this. Sills, do you think Dean's a bust? No, but for a guy who's supposedly the steal of the draft, not getting on the field, 
It's a problem. I got on the field. I mean, he didn't get on the field. Now, some would say Sills. There's some good ball players. Yeah, well, they weren't very good covering tight ends and backs. And plus, he's a shrimp. He's a little dude. Okay? Are you sure this guy can play? Because you got to make another decision on TJ here. Let Kaiser walk and bet on Dean. Okay? It's a rookie contract also. And let's bet I'm willing to make it right. Not enough money to go around. That's, that's, the, that's the exercise here. Okay? That's the exercise here. There's not enough money to go around. See? Everyone goes, Sills, the cap went up. Yeah, well, so did the salaries. Don't you see it? They all went up too. So we're letting Kaiser White walk, okay? What are you doing with TJ Edwards, middle linebacker? 2.2 million. He's 26 linebackers, $20 million. Now, he's not a $20 million guy. We know this. Am I, you think I'm crazy to say that the Eagles who don't really look at that position with a lot of value, they're not going to pay north of $7 million. Shit, they may not pay north of $5 million for this guy. He's not coming back. He's not coming back. He played great. He did, Scott. But, Scott, the market value is $20 million, $20.9 million. You think he's coming back? He's making 2-2. For what? $3 million? $4 million? I don't even see the Eagles offering him $5 million. DJ should get paid hourly. (laughs) See what the exercise is doing here? Look at these decisions Howie has. You may have to go into the draft for your linebacker position. I think you're going to. I think you're going to be very thin at linebacker next year. I do. I think you're going to be very thin and inexperienced. I, listen, I'd like to say you're getting Edwards back, but I think he's going to test the market. I think he's gone. 2-2? Here, here. I'll, I'll leave it in your hands. You think Howie, you think Howie offers him $6 million to come back. Yeah, you think you think they offer him $6 million? Mercy goes, no. He's gone. Nick, we'll get the quarterback, too, at the end. Jamison goes, Michael Parsons wants to be an Eagle so bad. Yeah, because you know why? He wants to win. Maybe seven? Man. How about we circle this right now and come back to that? Because that's a tough call, what to do with him. He's not great covering tight ends. And you got a lot of tight ends on that schedule next year. You're going to have to have cover tight ends. Take a look at who you're playing next year. I think the Chiefs are on that schedule too. Sue's not coming back. Joseph's not coming back. They're not coming back for $2 million if they win the Super Bowl. Plus, Sue's 36. I mean, this guy's made his dough, and he's made his another Super Bowl win. 
I mean, that's Rams, Bucks. Rams, Bucks, and the Eagles, if he's able to do it, he'll have three rings. I don't know. Right? It'll be 37. Boston Scott, 1.7, running back. He's 27. He's not a $10 million guy. You think how he offers him three? I think how we I think I think how we would offer him two and a half three. I don't think it would be a marginal increase. Okay. I'm gonna get to the other guy here in a minute. Zach Pascal, one five, twenty-eight. I, I think they'll offer him the same money, and I think he'll come back with the same money. He's a third wide out with no catches. Plus, Nick likes him. I think he's back for the same money, though. Not going any higher than that. Zach's a nice piece to this thing. I'm okay with Zach. He's not going to make a lot of money or waves. So I I bring him back. Miles Sanders, $1.3 million with a Pro Bowl year. Running back $10 million bucks. He's going to get a high number. I could see the Chiefs or the Bills or the Ravens or the Dolphins or maybe the Rams offering him six and a half million bucks. You think how he's going to offer Miles Sanders over six and a half million dollars to come back and play in Philly? MJ goes, TJ's worth at least half of the 20. But MJ, but no way does Howie even offer 10. That's right. Unfortunately gone. MJ, correct. He's worth the money. But Howie doesn't put a value on that position. Now you guys are seeing. That's, that's exactly right. Who, who said earlier, there's just not enough money to go around? 85, I haven't ignored you, bro. You're my boy, man. We're good. Um, Dean will be our best linebacker. Allison, I sure hope so. I haven't seen it yet. Miles won't get a real high number. Yeah, okay, but he's going to get more than 1.3 of what he's making now in Philly. You're missing that point. It's not that I I wouldn't pay him because I would say this to him. Dude, you had one year in Philly where you were healthy and you had a year like that? I'm supposed to pay $10 million for one year? Not happening. Not happening. You're injury prone. You get nicked up. Okay. You struggle at times. I think your vision's gotten better, but when it comes to getting outside, why do you think Gainwell was put in the game in the second half? You know why? He's able to get around the corner more than Miles is. He's faster. He's quicker. He's more elusive. Eagle coaches saw that. They were able to get around San Francisco's edges with Gainwell, not with Miles. I Hey, I, I think they let – I think Sanders tests the market because you know why? Here's something else. If you're Miles Sanders, aren't you pissed off a little bit that you didn't even get a contract offer? Here is the golden nugget. C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He makes $826,000. He's 25 years old. 
And the market value for a safety is $14.4 million. And he's going to get every bit of that. And in a position that the Eagles were looking to, dude, get what you got here. You got a better player than Honey Badger. Look at what Howie did by not making a move. Honey Badger was going to cost him $23 million a year. He said, nah. Then he goes and gets Gardner Johnson, who outplays the Honey Badger, co-leader in INTs, 10 days before the start of the season. This guy, hey, dude, Mickey Loomis, they, they should really question what he – and I like Mickey. I think Mickey Loomis is general manager of the Saints. Now, they just got draft choices for – for Sean Payton, they made up for that lost 10th pick. But, man, I'll tell you what, man. You let this guy – this guy here is a ball player. It's so you paid 18 point – you're going to pay $17 million for Gar, for uh, Bradbury. What are you going to pay for CJ? You got to pay him 17 That's 34 million bucks and two players in the secondary. Then if you add Slay's contract, they keep them. That's $51 million for your back end of your defense. Remember, the cap is 200. And is it 244.8 or 224.8? I think it's 244, right, Tone? 51 million bucks is tied up in three players. Now, let me, I'm going to show you something here. Watch this. Let's just go with the three players being on the team, those three guys. Got to pay Hardgrave. What'd we say? 14. That's five. That's 65. Um, you're going to pay Kelsey the 10 million again. That's 75. Okay. That's four players or five players. Okay. Let's not forget the $12 million that Hassan Reddick is getting. That's 87. The 25 million your wide receivers are making. That's 112 million. Your tackle is making 18 million. Offense lane. That's 130. Your left tackle is making 17 million. And Mawada. It's $150 million. Okay. Landon Dickerson is making five. That's 155. Devontae's making a million. Lucky he's on a rookie deal. Your tight end's making 10 and a half. That's 175 million bucks. And you're only seven under the cap. And you got a draft to come up with. And you're not talking even about 
your second team guys. Now you got to pay Jalen. Where's the money coming from? There's $200 million right there. Where are you getting this money from? Are you not going to pay for your draft choices? It's 224. Where are you getting the money from? $200 million worth of salaries. I just added up. Where are you paying Jalen? Now, it will be an extension, which means he plays on the rookie deal. It would be for 2024. Scott, how am I wrong? We just did this together. How am I wrong, Scott? Where, where am I wrong? Where am I wrong? Get this. So Scott is so dumb. You basically got $20 million in both offensive tackles. There's $40 million. Your center makes 10. There's $50 million. Your wide receiver makes 25. That's $75 million. I just used four players on offense at 75. I'll add the tight end at 10. That's 85 million. Where am I wrong, Scott? Now you're going to turn around and pay $52 million for three players in your back end. You're up to 140. You're paying Reddick 15 million. Now you're up to 165. Where's your money, Scott? To pay Hertz. 50 or 45 million. Where? Are you going to let Milata go? Sweat's making 15 also, Yale? Bro, they're over $210 million then. I just added up $210 million. Where are you getting 45 for Hertz? No, that's right. Some of you just said 2024. Yeah, but you're not going to. Kelsey's retiring after this season. Tim, I would not want Kelsey to retire. I'd beg him to come back. He's playing Pro Bowl ball, man. No. So wait a minute. Sills 2024. So you're not going to. Everyone else is addressed that was in that Joe Burrow draft that Jalen was in. So you're not. Like I said, when you guys called me an asshole for saying that the Eagles haven't addressed it. You're saying they're not going to address his contract this year in the offseason. Wow. Well, I would be insulted, and if I was clutch, I would hijack the Eagles as much as I could for not addressing this. Damn, Josh Sweat's making 15? Yeah, is it 12? Still. Hey, man. Dude, no wonder, man, people kept asking me, hey, Dan, do you think he's an every-down player? I didn't at first. Okay, I didn't. He makes that much money? Shit, man, he better show me a little more. He had a good year this year. Don't get me wrong. He showed he could be a three-down guy. Eagles will be fools not to take care of Jalen's contract this year. The price is only going up. Wait a minute there, Tone. You're damn right it's going up. Every time the price goes up, you could click a starter off your team. Tone, is that right? Because you got to find cap space for it. Only went up $16 million. Everyone kept going, Sills, well, the cap's going up. Well, these salaries went up. You guys make it sound like this. Dude, I'm telling you, man. 
this is going to be one of the most interesting off seasons. If the Eagles win the Super Bowl, dude, honestly, I don't know where the Phillies and the Flyers and the Sixers are in the conversation because the draft's going to be interesting and free agency starting March 12th is going to be insane on what he does. And by the way, who's your backup quarterback? Would you bring Mariota in after he gets released in Atlanta? Maybe. I don't want Ian Book's ass back there, that's for sure. Those that resort to the trope, oh, well, the salary cap is going up. <laughs> I know. Well, the cap's going up. The salaries go up. Sixers are playing great. And, hey, Embiid should be the MVP. People really think you're playing video games with the Madden cap. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, man. Sills, you look like a truck driver in that hat. So you're saying I look like Joe Klecko? How you doing? All right, we're looking like Joe Klecko. I like Joe Klecko. Sills, we won't be able to keep everyone. We are going to have to let some good players go. I know, man. And that's the suck-ass thing about the NFL. You do watch this. You know what really sucks about it? How he drafts them. They get the right free agents in. They make these guys feel at home. The fans love them. And then you got to get rid of them because why? The league don't want you to have a dynasty. That's what made what New England did insane. They don't want those kind of dynasties. That's why, look, look what they tried to do to Kansas City. They tried ripping Kansas City apart by taking Tyreek Hill. They got a lame-ass O-line. And I'll say it one more time to you guys. I think it's, I'm going to bury the lead. I think it's 31-10 Philly. I don't know. What, okay, Mahomes and Kelsey is the only thing that keeps them in the game. Chris Jones is a fine ball player, but you don't have the D-line to stop that O-line. I don't see it. I I, I just don't see it. I, I, I San Francisco has more talent than Kansas City does. I think they got more talent. All right. Guys, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Let me put this mother up back on. Guys were awesome. Xander, thank you. Tone, you have been absolutely spectacular as always. Please hit the like button till tomorrow. Going three to six Eastern time. Don't forget also, go back and take a look at Tony Bruno in the former rookie of the year. Bill Moss was part of the broadcast for the Chiefs. We had those guys on today. Tone, great stuff as always. Guys, we'll see you tomorrow, 3 to 6 Eastern, and we will catch you on the flip side. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.